Happy Friday, everyone. Welcome. What day is it? It's June 4th. Welcome to a Covfefe break on Unsafe Space. I'm Carter. This young lady over here. That's Carrie. She has Hello, a llama behind her. Oh, no. You know what that is? What? You don't remember this? Do you remember this? Does anybody remember this? It's a unicorn. Pinata? Do you remember what it means? No? So no. we had a joke. It was a long time ago. It was over a year and a half ago. The... Uh, my fella, my fiance, who I used to call my gentleman caller, gave me that as a gift. And I made a joke that I was going to keep it. And then if if hopefully one day I ever get to become pregnant or have, you know, be a mom that I'm going to I'm going to bust that pinata open during labor. <laughs> <laughs> no, I I'm not maybe it was going to be a I'm wedding not, celebration. pinata. No, I'm just moving stuff around because I have to get stuff moved to the other. And so anyway, this room is a wreck right now. And this got put over here. And I was thinking about it. And I said, maybe it should be a wedding pinata instead. Because that's a guarantee that's happening. We could just bust it open. (laughs) The candy's going to be very old. But (laughs) it could be fun. I support the wedding pinata idea. So uh. Yeah. Okay, cool. I'll bring it. You'll see it. Anyway, good good good. morning. Morning to you. How are you? How are you this fine Friday? I'm good. Uh, we should just get announcements out of the way because we have two very special guests. I'm very excited about today. We mm-hmm. have book club coming up. We had to move it, so uh, it's it's this Sunday. Uh, so in two days, we're going to be discussing Jordan Peterson's Beyond Order, and uh, you can still join the discussion if you would like. It's free to join and participate. Go to unsafespace.com, the book club page, and you can be in the video chat or you can be in the live chat that day. Um, and then we also have our first ever retreat coming up in Texas in August. And you can still get day passes at unsafespace.com on the retreat page. Yes. And as a reminder, book club this Sunday is 2 p.m. Pacific. It's two hours later than normal. But it is okay. on a Sunday. That's um, good to know. I think that's all the stuff. Like, share, subscribe. Do all the nice things to us. Donate. Buy shirts. Um, you know, what else? Yeah. I guess that's it. Uh, Send Carrie love letters at speak at unsafespace.com. Here's what I'm so excited for our guest. This is a returning guest. Uh, we have two guests today. Our first guest is Josh Slocum from the Disaffected Podcast, which is one of our favorite new podcasts. Hello, Josh. Hey there, guys. Hey, Josh. And look at this. This was not coordinated. We're all wearing the same color of shirt. <laughs> well, there must yes, be a guard. Yeah. Oh, wait, no. I was trying to draw a good conclusion for you. Yeah. I hesitated wearing the red today, but something something in the air, Carrie, made me put Carrie it on. Spoke to you. you. You know what it makes me think of, Carrie? What? what? Might have known it would be red. <laughs> wait. <laughs> wait. Okay, sorry. Is this Carrie. a Golden Girls reference or something that no, I'm not supposed to No, it's going to be Carrie. Oh, okay. <laughs> You know, it'd be so funny, uh, Josh, I was thinking it would be really fun to see you mix it up with the Nerdrotics, the Friday Night Tights guys, except because you know a lot of pop culture too, except most of their pop culture is based in uh, sci-fi. And most of your pop culture is based in the... the Cluster B women, homosexuality. (laughs) (laughs) 
there, and then I was thinking there needs to be another show that's like Friday Night Tights, but it's based in, you know, like old Betty Davis movies. And, yes. You know, but, I, I yeah. really like I'm trying I'm trying to figure out how to how let my how to make my friend and producer, Kevin, let me do some basic homosexual remediation uh, on the show because there are far too many. Excuse me, far too few people out there who seem to to understand classic 20th century gay camp culture. And, mm. you know, I don't want to be the last one. <laughs> well, uh, I'll be there. I would sign up for that show. So, just so you know. Uh, I don't even know what you're talking about. So, see? I mean, what's an example of classic 20th century gay cult, camp gay culture? Uh, um, imitating Betty Davis. Um, oh, so like liking Judy Garland, like that kind of thing? Does that, that not exist of, anymore? Yeah, that kind of thing. But, you know, like basically. Um, 20th century gay men like um, mid-century women's pictures, villainous actresses, um, you know, campy stuff, Bet Valley Miller. of the Dolls, that sort of thing. Okay. I love that stuff, too. And I would be there for that show. And I think you would have a very broad audience. So uh, Golden Girls, too. I mean, that's a big one. And that's a funny one because we always joke with with uh, with Carter about that. I have this thing where I accidentally call Carter Tiger and Tiger Carter. <laughs> that's cool. Anyway, sorry. At least I respond to both, but Tiger hasn't caught not caught on yet. So um, we have an, oh, out. I didn't realize our other guest today is here, so we can get started. Um, welcome to our returning champion, our most frequent guest <laughs> of all time, Mr. Mike Harlow. He just messaged and said, "Are you talking gay shit without me?" Hello, Daddy. <laughs> <laughs> we would never do that. What's up? I'm dying of being included in that conversation. <laughs> I didn't Mikey. know you were there. We don't, we don't know you. You too. We don't know each other, but I have something for you, and I can't remember. There's a comedian named Alec Mappa who who did some really funny impressions. I don't remember if he said this or if it was my good friend Paul, but here's Betty Davis. Starring in Silence of the Lambs. <clears throat> it puts the lotion in the basket. <laughs> it does this whenever it's told. <laughs> <laughs> what a dump. <laughs> Carter is just dying. What has happened to this show? What has happened? What happened? It's going to be a bumpy show, Carter. <laughs> you guys. <laughs> Oh my gosh! Okay, so Mikey, today, what's with the facial hair? What is all this? What is this? Are you? I don't know. What's going on? You just figured out for me if I should. Should I get rid of it? Is it normal? Yeah, get rid of it. Okay. It's hot. It's weird that like I don't know. I'm the only Italian who has the body hair of like a nine year old, so it looks like puberty just hit. <laughs> I yeah. think you Are you still on it. blockers? <laughs> <laughs> no. I think you should keep it at least for the wedding. What? Uh, yeah, come down oh, here like all scruffy cowboy. Really? Okay. By so, the way, first last night what? I found all of these epic, like handmade accessories to wear, and I don't know if they'll ship on time. And now I really want to wear them. 
I'm so excited. I'm so excited to see you. Okay, we, we're going to get into this because there's people watching, so I want to get this going because I know you have to leave, Mikey, and I want you to at least get an idea of what today's episode is. I told Carter to prepare. I just said, Josh and I are going to take you down a rabbit hole. So Actually, now, you told me not to prepare. You said you're not going to yeah, tell me anything. I'm just, I don't know. Be, be ready. Today's, today's going to be an evergreen episode. I mean, I thought we could talk about the Fauci emails or we could just talk about this, which is something insane. So, um, more insane than that. Yes. So I fell down this rabbit hole a month or so ago and I was talking to, to Josh Slocum about it. And the more I talked about it, the more it felt like we should just sort of cover this. Um, have you guys heard of multiple personality disorder? Mm-hmm. Oh, oh yes. Multiple <laughs> okay. personality disorder. Yeah. Do you remember the movie Sybil Carter? <laughs> <laughs> no. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. This is a movie. I think it was Sally Field. Wasn't it the great Sally Field? <laughs> and she basically portrayed someone. It was based on a book, a, a book about a woman who claimed to have multiple personality disorders and uh, where she would basically have all these different personalities living within her. And they didn't all have memory of what the others were doing. So she would have missing time. And, and the more that she... Uh, worked with a therapist and found out about these personalities. They were each distinct. Some one was a child. You know, you can have per- supposedly personalities of different ages, and and it's where your personality Genders becomes even. I think I've fractured. seen this portrayed in Hollywood, right? Like it's it'll be like like totally now. different personalities, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So um, let's bring up this first article, Beverly. This is I fell on this rabbit hole. This is now called. It's no longer called multiple personalities, or it's called disassociative identity disorder yeah and there is a whole identity community of these people online there's a whole community and much like in the social justice world or much like in any sort of little small echo chamber um there have been rules that have been developed there are youtube creators with millions of subscribers who claim to have did and they switch on camera into their different personalities. <laughs> like, I'm so glad I'm here today. <laughs> so, but, but why this is important will become. This is. I think this will become clear. I think it's clear. Feel free to jump in anytime. Oh, here, I, right? oh I know exactly what this is. I'm going to wait, but I know exactly what it is. I, okay. I don't. Okay, Carter. Why don't Why don't you kick this off by reading? This is one article about the rabbit hole I fell down. This one's on MSN. A thriving YouTube community of people with multiple personalities, states, went viral. Then controversies fractured it down the middle. Should I do dun-dun-dun? <laughs> oh, sure, it was the controversy. One of their personalities was problematic. <laughs> <laughs> you know I'm an anti-racist and a non-woke and person all in the same. Uh, <laughs> those are the same. They don't have to have multiple personalities for it being an anti-racist and a racist. Disassociative identity disorder, formerly known as multiple personality disorder, is a psychiatric disorder in which a person has distinct identities or personality states called alters. Is that what they're called? Okay. Uh-huh. Uh, a YouTube community centered on the disorder was thriving just a few months ago. Oh, it's a shame that that's no longer thriving with creators making educational videos about living with DID. Educational. <laughs> Do each of their personalities count as a different subscriber? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. are, my numbers ought to be real high by now. 
<laughs> By the way, they, there's another D-I-D. bit of lingo. Wait, Carter. They so all of their oh. alters, that's their different personalities, make up their system. Oh, alters make up a system. system. Got it. Okay. Yeah. DID began trending on YouTube when Anthony Padilla, a popular interviewer, made a video featuring a creator with DID. Then a controversial YouTuber, Trisha Paytas made waves when she said she had multiple personalities. Hey, what the hell? I've got multiple personalities. Does it get subscribers? I think that's the same person who said she was suddenly trans, that she was a man. Oh, no, that that has nothing to do with it. It's not even in the same category. What would ever make you associate those two things? (laughs) You're awesome. Uh, (laughs) the, The attention put a spotlight on the community, but it also brought criticism that sowed discord among DID creators on YouTube. Was the Discord among themselves? I guess. Visit Insider's homepage. Okay. Uh, do I have to keep reading? On YouTube, makeup challenges are common, but this one didn't go according to plan. Blah, blah, blah. Do I, we have to read about Team Pinata? Um, I just want to read. Let me let me get to the part I want to read. Yeah, Team Pinata. So, Wait, you yeah, just so, scrolled past something about haphazardly applying eyeshadow. That yeah. seemed important. So one of the big, so one of the big creators in this community uh, her, she goes by on YouTube, Dissocia DID, and her system, her real legal name is Chloe. And then I think that's her system name as well, or it might be Nin. And then oh, she you has name your system too. Yes. And then she has several different oh. personalities. Okay. Now, what's interesting is but that they're all narcissists. so she will sometimes have the the thing about makeup there is uh, one of her popular videos where she had one of her male alters who's sort of really boyish and he came on and for a video decided to do chloe's makeup do the makeup for the whole system and he doesn't know how to do makeup because he's a boy and he's never done makeup before and but it's her doing it as this character right uh, that's what they're talking about there. So wh- one this of the is things like the ultimate gaslighting. I know, but I know, but people believe this. You should see the communities. Oh, people believe a lot of she things. Has a million subscribers, and a lot of them are in there. They all believe they now have. Oh, I want to fucking subscribe to her. They have. <laughs> so so let's bring up one of the things she does is she switches on camera really fast, and it used to be that they would say that's kind of impossible. You know, you, yeah, I was going to say, I thought if you had one of these things, you were not in control of who was in control. Right. If that's even like, at least that's my Hollywood understanding of this. Right. Okay. That, that it was sort of, you had missing time and you didn't know when one of these alters would take over and control your system, control your body. And they didn't always have knowledge of each other. Well, she will get some stuff from her subscribers. like, Hey, I want to, I want you to do a video with all the girls, all your female personalities. So here's this is the first video that I sent you. Can we pull that one up? I just want to watch part of it so people get an idea. I now understand the title of this video that you sent me because I was a little bit confused about it. The title is Meet Six Alters, uh, which was very confusing. Mike, you've never seen this before, have you? No. <laughs> oh, come on, let's go. I'm so glad. This I'm is going to be horrible. Uh, be amazing. Brace, brace yourselves, audience. I apologize. Just 
Is her brain dripping? Is Hello, everybody. My name is Chloe, <laughs> and this is another video by The Social Did. The Social Did is a channel that's dedicated to spreading awareness, education, and destigmatizing dissociative identity disorder, which used to be known as multiple personality disorder. This video is a Meet the Alters mini-series video where we introduce alters, in this case it's all the female alters, in one go in short segments as much as possible because... Sorry, wait. Her system what? name is Chloe. Is that what I, is that what we're doing? Yes. Is that what this is? Okay. I just want to clarify. This, the system is Chloe, Mikey. The system? That's her yeah, overall. Come on. Pay attention, oh, yeah. Mikey. <laughs> Chloe is her system. <laughs> It's very simple. Here we go. <laughs> because this is what our patrons voted for. Thank you so much to all our patrons for helping us shape this channel. We did one video like this before and it was for the boys. And if you wanted to see that, you can see it up here. We got a lot of comments from people saying, is this real? What is this? Dissociative identity disorder is a real disorder. It's a disorder that's formed due to childhood trauma. Essentially, it disrupts the personality from integrating fully. So instead of having one fully formed personality, a child will grow up having multiple self-states. These self-states are known as alters. They develop as separate people. They'll have their own memories, their own experiences. They'll make their own decisions about life based on those my recent experiences they may have different religions different but they're all on the same youtube channel is that, <laughs> is that how that goes they're completely unrelated they make their own decisions but they always show up on time for the youtube videos that are available on demand and really all they're all interested in doing the videos. Food, okay. different reactions well, to medicine different gender sex. sorry josh did you have a comment no on. okay <laughs> All right. <laughs> Josh is just rolling his eyes for people who can't see him. Mm -hmm. Only I can see him. I think. Sex, different sexualities, different preferences when it comes to food and things like that. So, yes, this is a real thing. And this is what our patrons asked for. So I'll start off with me. My name is Chloe. I'm the host of the Dissociated System. I use <laughs> no. people use legal names. the original. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I feel like she. If you ever watched this Stargate uh, show? No. Like, was there like parasites and hosts? I feel like, she's like uh. I'm the host. Now the parasite will be speaking. Kill you all. <laughs> Wait a minute. By the way, she ends up doing videos where she has non-human alters, and one I think is a ghost. Oh. <laughs> of course. <laughs> I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. <laughs> oh I will say, you know what? Oh. Thank you, Chloe. You are entertaining. Okay, let's go. If you want to know more about what the original alter is or what dissociative identity disorder is, we made a video essentially going over what, what most of DID is and how it forms and how we live with it. Pierre. But no, my name is Chloe and I'm the host and that just means that I'm out the most often. So I'm in control of the body the most often. I deal with daily life, generally trying to make sure that we stay safe and healthy and interacting with people. I run the channel Dissociated. I created this channel. I run all the social medias. So unless you get a comment that specifically says it's from another alter, it will always oh, be from ass. me. I'm pansexual. I'm attracted to uh, people regardless of gender. I am female. Why would you <laughs> wait yeah. uh, wait I have I have a I have it right here. I just want to make sure I got the facts right. 
She currently claims to have 22 personalities. Um, one oh, is 22. A, it's not a, big yeah. Idea. One is a non human personality named Omega, which is a literal ghost. Um, <laughs> wait, wait, wait. she has uh she has multiple I love uh, youtube suddenly I, <laughs> I mean i mean come on youtube sucks guys but where else in history do you get exposure to this kind of stuff i mean what time i can tell in? you is- i can tell you when we get when we get to the next part because i remember this shit from the 80s Oh, do you? Okay. Oh, okay. oh, yeah. I, I think is I know it what you real then, though? <laughs> like, oh, yeah, just as I, real as it is now. Uh, was it? Some, uh, I, I, my name is like, Robbins. Baskin Robbins. I have 30. I assume okay. that it was at some point, like, a legitimate mental illness, or was it not? Uh, well, I, I, if you're asking Josh if people explain. believed that it was real, yes, they did believe that it was real. It was, um, mm-hmm. it was on... Um, Okay, so Sybil was the first one, right? Mm-hmm. Sybil was the book that came out in the 70s. I think um, it, it was a hoax, by the way. It was just a complete hoax. I mean, the woman, the patient on whom this was based was indeed, as you would predict, a troubled woman, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, she had real problems, sure. but she was exploited by a psychiatrist named Dr. Cornelia Wilbur, um, who you know, obviously um, was implanting these ideas in her head and and, and urging her to understand herself as having a, a fractured psyche this way. And it really, and it goes back even further than that. I mean, I think it was the 1959 movie with um, uh, Joanne Woodward, The Three Faces of Eve. This was when they called it split personality. Then it mm. became multiple personality disorder. Now it's mm. dissociative identity disorder. Mm. Uh, but this goes back a long time. I remember... I, I do. I remember watching a couple people who claimed to have this on both the Oprah Winfrey show and the Sally Jesse Raphael show in the 1980s. I mean, my mother had the book by one of them called um, When Rabbit Howls. If some of you are old enough, you may remember that this bitch claimed to have how many was it? Um, Ninety nine of them. Wow. And I think she I think she tried to trot all of them out in front of Oprah in one hour, too. Wow. Hey, can I say something just because there's a lot of chatter in the chat and a um, couple things. We don't all agree here. You haven't even heard our opinions. First of all, I don't necessarily somebody said DID is real. I don't necessarily think it's not real. I, I think that some people may experience missing memories and have different person because of trauma. I don't know what I might. I reserve. I don't have an opinion on that. My opinion is that this YouTuber is full of shit and that a lot of these YouTubers are full of shit and they've taken something that might have been an extremely rare occurrence. And they've just like trans trenders. Now, everybody suddenly is transgender trender. They've taken this and they're making lots of money off of it. And I think they're doing harm to people in the process. And they have all these followers and fans who are now like trying to disassociate, trying to have multiple personality disorders. Do you know what I mean? Like that's harmful. Somebody says, if so, why laugh at them? I think you should mock this because this is craven. And this is why laugh this at is, them? Are you watching the same thing I'm watching? Yeah. <laughs> <Because> <laughs> hysterical. Carter, That's why? Because she it's was funny. In the same box as you, and her face like morphed into yours. I thought for a second you were one of her personalities. Yeah. yeah. I am one of her personalities. Um, she just so doesn't like is, to talk about is, me. Yeah, this is my opinion of it. I do want to see her. Um, I want you guys to see her at least make a transition between a couple of the personalities because I, I think that 
doing that. I mean, look, everybody has is going to have a different opinion, or but but I think uh, I I think viewing it anyway that the artifice is very apparent, and that this girl's acting obviously, <laughs> and yeah. I don't think she is suffering from what she claims to be suffering from. She might be suffering from something else, but I think mm-hmm. she's got a very good game going here and I think a lot of these people do and you're you haven't even heard the whole story yet which is that all of these other people who claim to have DID have started attacking her and saying she's faking and that several of her personalities including Omega the ghost were taken from a book so (laughs) I mean yeah anyway I don't know that that even changes my opinion about her but okay (laughs) Like, can let's, we see some continue. of her personalities? Okay. Yeah, let's watch some more. Uh, here she is. Here's Chloe. Female. I'm cis. I was born female and I identify as being female. I enjoy writing. I enjoy learning new things. I enjoy learning about medicine and art and poetry, writing. I love learning about history. I really enjoy creative pursuits. I'm very fond of affection. I'm a very affectionate person and I'm very passionate about raising awareness for mental illnesses, especially ones like mine, which aren't really understood very well. And that has a big impact on the way that we as people with this disorder have to live our life and the resources that are available to us. I'm very much a believer in that everybody should be treated equally, no matter where they come from or what color your skin is, what your religious belief is, what your sexuality is. I believe that everybody should be treated equally and that everybody should have equal rights on an equal platform or on a platform that benefits as many people as possible. Those are the things that I'm passionate about. I love animals, very, very, very fond of animals. Yeah, these are some of my alters. Hello, everybody. I hope Sally's a hunter. <laughs> I want to say that right out loud. She looks like a friggin' nun in that outfit. But at least this one, the other one's lopsided eyeshadow was pissing me off. So I'm glad this one's better at doing that. All right, here we go. Sally, She's it says protector caretaker. She's a different age. She's a different age. She's a, and she's an age range, which is lovely. Okay. <laughs> And she's an age range, which I'll, I'll point I out is older than Chloe. Her age range is older than Chloe, which is strikes me as interesting because uh, metaphorically, when when they use the idea that you have like different personalities, psychologists will use it metaphorically uh, and and kind of talk about your child self or whatever. They're things from your past, but she's able to have a personality of someone who's older than she is. Uh, and has experienced more life. Okay, here we go. Sally, let's find out about Sally. My name is Sally. A lot of you will already know me. I did a video with Amira called All About Alters 3, which was about non-human and animal alters. I have made a movie alters video, which will be like this one, except in a lot more detail. And I've also switched out in other videos as well. I'm sure Chloe will leave a link somewhere if you'd like to see what kind of videos I've been and to learn more. I'll make sure Chloe does that. I know you're following some basic questions that were left by our patrons. My name is Sally, my role. I'm technically Oh, what was that? We missed one. But I'm more of an inner caretaker. No, her name is Sally. Oh, she did it again. Yeah. Oh, this is just repetition. Okay. Yeah, she's just telling you about herself. What was your question, Mikey? Her teeth are suddenly like 
disturbingly yellow, but I feel like they weren't before. Well, and Sally doesn't brush her teeth as well. Keep an eye on those yeah. teeth. Uh, I, I don't trust her teeth. Yeah. I was hoping Sally would have a different accent, frankly. I'm a little bit disappointed that Sally is apparently from the same part of the world, but okay. Okay. I work mostly on the inside. I used to exist primarily to soothe Chloe, especially when she was having panic attacks or major depressive episodes. And I think that helped her a lot. I really like gardening and I spend a lot of time in the inner world looking after the children now. So a lot of what I do is system, caring for system. So pause it. So she's getting, she's getting up in my personal space with her face. <laughs> yeah. She's uh, she does a lot of well. First of all, she has she has they call them littles. That's when they have child. She has several littles, which are child alters, and she's always talking about how she doesn't. She wants to protect the littles, and she doesn't want the littles to be on camera. But then she'll sometimes put the littles on camera and have them opening presents. She does videos called. <laughs> She has videos called unboxings, and that's where people send her gifts. And she spends a whole video having the littles like open the gifts. <laughs> Chloe <laughs> likes it, but Sally thinks it's a piece of crap. Okay, let's let's do. All right, we don't have to watch this whole thing, do we? Okay, I'll, I'll, we'll no, but you can skip ahead. Feel free to skip ahead to the next transition if you can see at the oh, bottom okay. there. Where does she change the clothes name. to make it easy for us? Yes, sometimes, right. and at the bottom it'll say. Uh, I want to see what the teeth are. Here you go, my teeth. teeth. No, but that's this the same. Still, this is still Sally. Yeah. How, how like, do we know though? Oh, <laughs> We've been using people to triggers like songs and stuff. Like that's the teeth for you. All right, let's find. Oh, here we go. I found a new oh, outfit. That's the sexy one, okay. I think. Yeah. Oh. To go inside. Bye, guys. Mm. Fantastic. Oh, for Christ's oh sake. Oh my god. <laughs> no. Age unknown. Same girl. <laughs> <laughs> Are any of her altars not coquettes and whores? Hi. <laughs> oh. My sleep paralysis demon. <laughs> Christopher says I'm here for Nina <laughs> Hi, so My name is Nina I'm an alter in the dissociative system I am a sexual alter Which means I get to do all the things That Chloe doesn't want to do Or can't handle doing Chloe and I are both hypersexual But sometimes things happen That even hypersexual people Can't deal with And that's my job So I love to Chloe Somebody says oh Wait who says this Uh Thomas says, which of her altars have the OnlyFans? <laughs> I think it would be this one, right? Yeah. All right. I'm a sexual protector. I make sure that Chloe doesn't remember anything unpleasant that she doesn't want to remember. And I experienced things for her that were too intense 
for her to deal with. So I hold a lot of sexual trauma. I'm the best built to deal with that sexual trauma. That doesn't mean that being a sexual alter who deals with sex is the only thing I am. I like to think I'm supportive. I'm not the most fantastic at calming people down, I suppose. I, I more enjoy the fun. Right, I'm going to try to skip. Sorry. I'm yeah, not skip ahead. You don't not, have to not watch that the Sexual alter isn't super exciting or anything, but you know. What's this? One? There's another one like. Oh, yeah, keep going. Shirt. Hold on. Same shirt. Uh, wait, there's two of them? I know, that's a picture. Oh, okay. Because that I would agree would be a split personality if she could get both to show up at the same time. <laughs> yeah, Sean Carter, oh, no, I, sweetheart. It's called a split screen personality. Oh, <laughs> thank you. Thank you, Josh. I would be so pissed if I was one of the other personalities that she wasn't keeping up with bleaching those roots. <laughs> I'd yeah, be pissed that only this one's getting sex. But, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like she's getting enough for all of them. Good evening, everybody. My name is Jade. I have already done. She's ageless. Wait a minute. One of Jade's the- ageless. <laughs> ageless. Is this the ghost? Or go- oh, sorry. No. Was the ghost is in a different video. video. If you would like to know me in more detail, I would suggest visiting that video. I go into much more detail on my inner world life, how I came to be, my relationships with other people within the system, as well as my opinion on this channel. So yes, so, my name is Jade. I am- let's, let's pause here. So I just, that's a good introduction. You've got to see like four different personalities and- Yeah, and can so we she be has, done with her? Yeah, we can be All done right. for now, yeah. So, so somebody said in the chat who might be just popping in, why are we watching this? So this is a person who claims to have DID, which is what used to be called multiple personality disorder. It's now called disassociative personality or disassociative identity disorder. And there appear to be several popular YouTubers uh, who like this girl who have millions of subscribers. And then what's more interesting than that is a whole community that's formed around it where now you have lots of young people claiming that they have DID as well and that they disassociate and they've coming up with all these characteristics and names for their different personalities. This, this girl, there was drama in this community. That article that we started with is from a year ago about how there was a thriving DID community on YouTube and then there was a schism. So, so this girl, her system is named Chloe. That's basically her legal name. And then she has all these different personalities. What happened with her later is that she, two of her personalities, the sexy one, Nina, and Chloe, her main one, uh, reunited and became Nin. So <laughs> <laughs> they merged. They merged. And then, and then Nin, I think that might have been because that she didn't have enough as characters, and because I do believe this girl's faking this. That they didn't have enough difference, so she decided to merge them. Outfits. I think she needed more outfits. She had she yeah, didn't have enough outfits. Character so. development, wasn't, right? They weren't that different. Yeah. So then she sometimes started- they combine characters when they turn a book into a movie or something. It happens. Already <laughs> <laughs> for alters composites. <laughs> oh, they are. So they're so in the community. Yes. So some people have um, some people have alters who are actual characters from fictional stories. So some people have Harry Potter as an alter. Uh, some people have Sherlock Holmes as an alter. I think she has Sherlock Holmes. Um, and then, and so, 
Beatrix so kiddo. Would you say? Can I get like Beatrix kiddo to possess me? You could choose whoever you want, I'm sure. But so, so anyway, so she started dating this other system who a popular YouTuber named Team Pinata, and that system went by Nan and was non-binary and had lots of different personalities. And and then what happened with them is that they formed this sort of in this world became like the Brangelina. They came up with their own name. It was like Ninan or something because the two of them were together. And then it was people found out that Nan, this is a whole nother gross part of the story, but Nan had one of Nan's altars had been drawing pornographic images of children and of children. Yes. And uh, you're so surprised, right? Fainting surprise. And also had a fetish, a sneezing fetish, like to see children (laughs) sneezing. Yes, I know. I know. And then, so here's what happened in all the, in all the breakdown, like they started, the community started going after Nan and, and then they were saying, you are doing CP, you're doing child porn, we can't support this. And Nan was saying, I wasn't doing it, my altar was doing it, and I didn't know. And that wasn't me. Every that was one of the world is now going to use that. Oh, it's my right? right. And then you would see all this really precious language where people were trying to call Nan out and they were saying, look, the sneezing, because a lot of the porn Nan was drawing was of kids sneezing, like sexual images, but they were also sneezing. So How they were like sexually. I, it's just, what did it look no. like? There are people who look no. like like feet and stuff. So yeah, it was it was just I, yeah. I don't want to go there. We've already had a gross episode this week. So so then they, so people were saying this is how precious they get with the language, and this is why I think this is important. All of this has found a home in social justice. People are now validating all of this craziness and saying, yes, you have it and you have it and you have it. And there's rules that have formed and people are calling each other out and saying, well, this person's faking, but that person's not. And this person referred to their system in the wrong way. And, and then they're saying things like, well, man, I don't have a problem with the sneezing fetish and I don't want to kink shame you. I don't want to kink shame, but the part that I have a problem with is the child part, you know, and they're trying to be real precious about how they call it out, which is weird. And then last thing I'll say about the just the social justice part and the craziness is then they started going after this girl, Nen and Chloe, because one of her alters is a person of color, Nadia, who's a Native American. <laughs> so they well, said that I know that's yes. illegal. I know CRT <laughs> Trump's postmodernism. That's very clear. Yes. So anyway, I'm just giving you the broad strokes of all the drama. You could spend a lot of time reading about everything, all the fallout that happened. But I wanted to talk about it because I'm still trying to figure out what I think about all of it. Uh, I'm fascinated by it. And I think that it is taking the same things that some of the same things that we see with the trans trenders I was mentioning. And it's taking something that um, would maybe in the past uh, only a, a, a less than 1%, like a very small percentage of the population would suffer, would think that they suffered from something like this or would claim to have this. And now it's becoming popularized. It's picking up all the social justice lingo. People are talking about their identities. They're even arguing about whether you can, it's cultural appropriation if one of your identities is not white, you know, and that kind of thing. So um, here, let's just open the floor. <laughs> just oh, Benjamin, Benjamin just asked in chat uh, when you said, 
when you said one of the personalities was Native American, Benjamin Benjamin said, is the girl's real name Elizabeth Warren? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for That's making me laugh. Like, um, have you guys seen Primal Fear? No. No. I don't think so. It's good. But, no, that's literally what – okay, don't listen if you want to see that movie. You should. It's awesome. However – well, wait. Now I'm going to ruin it for you guys. Okay, well, just don't watch it. It's old, right? So ruin it. It's fine. No, but it's so good. There's a statute okay, of limitations on what happens like you can, it. It's like the guy killed no. people and then, oh, it was his other personality. But it really wasn't. Uh, yeah. See, this is the thing now where you're you're taking – so part of what social justice does, which is interesting, is – I think a lot of the people who fall into it are people who do have uh, some type of prejudice, like racism or sexism or what have you. They they judge people based on uh, and they want to treat people differently based on race and sex. And so they like social justice because it tells them, hey, that's not your personal character flaw. That's not your personal failing. That's all white people. They're all like that. You know, you just are how you were born white. It's not your fault. Uh, or that's what all men are like, you know, and I think they, they like it for that reason. I think this also, I mean, obviously opens up an area where people are going to be able or try to claim a lack of personal responsibility because it was their altar. It was something their altar did. It's not them. Mm-hmm. So can I, can the, I say that, a few that's things? That's the motivation. To- yeah, Josh, I would like to hear Josh's, is this, is this even real? Like, yeah, what's the status of this? Well, so here's what I think about it. I, and I'll say, I mean, provisionally, but let me just say, I've thought about this is, I, I've known about this stuff for a long time. I've thought about it for a long time. I've read about it. Um, it would take a lot. It's possible that I'm wrong, but I'm not going to say, well, this is what I, I suppose. I really do think that this is what's going on here. Um, so it would take a lot to argue me into a different position. Dissociation is a real psychological psychiatric phenomenon. Um, It is possible for for people with certain mood, um, mentation, and personality disorders to do something called dissociate. And and that can take a lot of different forms. It can be be something from um, a really intense kind of daydreaming. Like you can imagine when you get caught in a daydream, but somebody who's dissociating may not understand their daydreaming and it may get very deep and very involved and feel very first person to them. Um, it does appear to be true that when people dissociate in certain ways that they their perception of time goes awry and they may experience it, that they have lost a chunk of hours or something like this. That all seems to be a real component of various psychiatric instabilities. But I do not believe that I do not believe in the idea that there is a, that your psyche could fracture to in such a way that there is a discrete, fully formed, first person conscious other person inside of you that you or your system mistress or whatever the hell you want to call it doesn't know about. That, first of all, if there's evidence for that, I do not know it. And I've read a lot about this. Uh, not as much as I have about Cluster B, but this used to be an interest that I had in my younger years when I was more gullible, and I did believe in this. I see the claim that you have fully formed personalities that 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 are fully formed and that that live inside the same brain. I find that to be as prima facie ridiculous 
as the claim that I was born in the wrong sex body. I mean, I'm not even, I don't know of any evidence that could prove it because it's a malformed thought. It doesn't even make sense logically or philosophically to me. It just doesn't make sense. So I don't believe it. I believe there are people who probably believe that this is what they are experiencing. But I, when I look at this young woman, I mean, first of all, you know, all her alters aren't that different. I mean, her right. affect, she's a coquette, okay? Mm -hmm. She is a coquette. She is deliberately sexually provocative. She, she does big eyes and she modulates her voice in such a way that when she bats her very big eyes and makes these faces at the camera that, you know, maybe yeah. um, mm -hmm. men kind of like it when girls are like this, especially if they're really pretty girls. You yeah. know, I, I'm sorry, but this is just a put on, right? Yep. And yep. if anything, I mean, this looks to me that both the people who believe that they have this and those who are sort of uh, community hangers on, what I see, I see features of borderline and histrionic personality disorders. Um, I'm sorry, this just looks, it doesn't even look that different. This looks like borderline slash histrionic personality traits to me. The unstable sense of identity, the unstable sense of self-image, the constant changing. She's just articulating it in a, in a frank and way with discrete boundaries. She's saying, okay, I feel like this in this moment. I feel like this in this moment. It just looks to me like an elaboration of what you find in certain kinds of borderline. Yeah. Although she doesn't seem to have the, like, borderline seems to, well, maybe she does. I haven't seen all of her personalities, but borderline seems to have, like, to, um, they go from emotional extremes, and she's not really on any emotional extreme in any of these personalities. Uh, while she's in she front of the camera. Human. While she's in front of the camera, while she is performing for a community that is already giving money and attention to her, she is not in a situation where her stability would be tested. She's not in a situation where okay. she would be contradicted, right? There's no stress. There's no. We don't okay. know what she looks like when somebody in the real world says, cut the fucking crap. <laughs> Right. Yeah. She's not quite so nice then. Her personality is marketable to her probably older male creeper audience. Oh yeah. I think so. I think each one is like you said, coquette. Yeah. That's, that's yeah. it. That is her. That's what she's selling. I think. Um, and she found a, she found a niche to do it. I think, she, I think there are con artists everywhere. And if you, if you start digging and you read, there's, there's actually a couple of them. There's one uh, uh, YouTuber in this community. I found who I really like her videos. I think she has some interesting things to say. And and she actually does videos. She says she has borderline personality disorder. A lot of these people, interestingly, Josh, they claim to have one or more of their alters do have borderline. They admit because that. Because they're borderlines. Yeah. And then they the have- The one self-diagnosis you can almost always believe. You can always believe, yeah. But there's some I found that I think are more trustworthy. And some of those who have been critical of her, you know, uh, one was pointing out that she- she online, she befriended a lot of people in this community who, which ha was not as public at the time, people who claimed to have DID. And she did a lot of personal messaging back and forth and got details about them and details about their stories. And then she made those things about herself and then unfriended them 
or talk shit about them and harass. Like this is a person I think who created this whole thing as a con. Um, and she's loving it. She's getting, like you said, attention is probably the most, the most, uh, the biggest driver for her. I mean, money's probably yeah. just secondary, yeah. but, um, but what yeah. what I find interesting about it is that the all of the infighting in the community over her, and then we didn't even get into Trisha. We could put Trisha up too, but the infighting in this community over which ones are real and which ones are fake. It it just for me, I had no idea. Like it it's shown a huge light on the fact that this is a whole other corner of uh, I think lack of meaning and lack of purpose mm-hmm. and lack of identity that we're seeing in people and and. And, and it is somehow, it is related to social justice. Social justice will get its claws in this, or it has. And You know, I know people are joking only about OnlyFans. I don't actually see any difference between this and OnlyFans stuff nope. and, and porn stars. This is the exact same thing. Like, she doesn't, she's not taking her clothes off and having sexual relations. But I, what she's doing is she's tapping into people who like that particular affect. And she's decided that uh, she can just have multiple different affects to really tune to like some people will like Chloe better than Nina or whatever their name. I don't remember. Or Sally. Right? Like so this it yeah. expands her audience. Right. Because each personality can be a little bit targeted at guys who like a little bit kind of a, a different thing. And because she's put herself in this category as having a mental disorder, um, which clearly she has some mental disorder. Uh, because she's yeah, in that category, she's also viewed as a victim. Guys, guys tend to have a white knight complex and savior thing. So you can you can fall for one of those personalities and want to rescue that personality and that person generally. Like it's a quite a it's quite an ingenious marketing um, strategy. I think I think it's it's quite a good marketing strategy. Uh, and if she decided to do OnlyFans, she'd probably make a hell of a lot <laughs> of money. She she could have. Six different OnlyFans accounts, right? Yeah. But I think it's part so, of it. it's like look at especially these younger leftists who are so immersed in it. Look in any of their social media bios, and it'll just be a list of their supposed ailments. Um, and I think it's because in that section of the left, like there's such a reverence for dysfunction and syndromes and ailments and victimhood that. It's mostly these bored white girls who probably haven't had too many struggles in their lives, so they invent all of these ailments and these illnesses. Oh, so now she's no longer a straight white privileged girl. She's a DID, bipolar, hyperactive, whatever, all the things, pansexual, bisexual, queer, non-binary, all this bullshit. And I'm like, you're just a bored white liberal bitch. Like, that's all there is to it. Yeah, you know, there's – I think there is a lot of mental dysfunction happening, right? psychological dysfunction happening right now for a variety of reasons. And we yes. don't have to get into all those reasons, although we can. And we've talked about some of them on the show in the past. Um, but – and I don't I don't want to dismiss everything as like, oh, they, these people are just – they're all saying they have bipolar and they don't or they're all whatever. Like the, the problem is – or they're faking – like – Obviously, I think I haven't studied it like Josh has. I'm the jury's out for me on whether that particular thing could be an actual disorder. So I don't know. I, I haven't read about it. Um, I, I I do think it's probably 
if something like that could exist, I imagine it would be extremely, extremely rare um, and probably wouldn't look like this. So I, I get all that. But there's a problem. Something that I, I don't like that we've done with psychology is there's value in characterizing personality disorders. Like, absolutely. And, and because you can then characterize treatments. And you can say, okay, well, people with X, Y, Z, this is how we can help them. People with with these problems, this is how they can be helped, or they're going to manifest in this way. And like, there's a reason to categorize different particular personality disorders and and problems, psychological problems that people have generally. And that all makes sense to me. But we've moved. But, but the the purpose of all of that is to help them overcome it to the extent possible and to and to heal. These aren't states which should be wallowed in or worshipped or reveled in these are these are if you don't say i have bpd therefore i'm going to identify as someone with bpd and be that way and you have to accept me as is it's like saying i have a broken arm you go to the doctor and you're like well what can we do about my broken arm well we can it's very broken we can put it in a cast we can do this these are the things you might not ever have use of this hand but whatever like it's it's something to be treated, and we've we've flipped personality problems from something to be treated to something to be uh, shoved down everyone else's throat and, and accepted as uh, a legitimate and and um, normal and, and not even normal um, something legitimate that needs to be like accepted and dealt with. Like we have to deal with these people now. Um, mm -hmm. because they have these issues when in fact, these are their issues. I have no doubt that this woman has trauma. Um, of course she's got trauma. Um, and I don't really care whether DID exists or not. This is clearly, uh, she's clearly a con artist <laughs> a little bit here, regardless of what the hell is real about her personality disorder or not. But no one's sitting her aside saying, honey, you shouldn't be making YouTube channel if you've got these issues, you should be going to therapy and trying to be normal, not not making this disorder the bread and butter of your existence. Yeah, but yes. that's what they all do with all their syndromes, whether it's gender, whether it's race, whatever it is. And people who and that is the way on the left that status is judged and how you can treat people is judged. It's a hierarchy to them. So if you don't fit into that hierarchy, if you're not even on it, you're going to invent things to bump yourself up. And I think that's exactly what's going on. And when you say um, about a broken arm, what happens when you break your arm? People say, oh, let me sign your cast. Oh, can I carry your bags? And that's exactly what's happening with all these things that people are inventing. Yeah. But you wouldn't do that to someone who was walking around intentionally with a broken arm and refused to get it fixed. and was like, I like having a broken arm. Like, you, I you would think something's you, wrong you with would. But when the entire Maybe some basis, people would. But when the entire basis of your ideology is you can never question people's identities and ailments and all that, I, I, I don't see people like that saying anything. So if somebody's breaking their arm right in front of them, I think they would go along with it. Well, there, there's a couple other ways to, to, to look at this and to consider it. And one of them is it's possible that people like her are that, – that this is a conscious ploy. That, that she doesn't believe she has any of this and that she's just straight up narcissistic enough that she's willing to exploit people's sympathy and money. That happens, right? I don't yes. know how I don't know how you tell the difference. It's a possibility for her. I don't know if it's if it's if it's that or not. So it's a possibility that there's part of that and and some other stuff. 
but you know, another way to look at this is Munchausen syndrome, right? <clears throat> yes. Um, and and there's a difference between there's a difference between Munchausen syndrome and Munchausen syndrome by proxy. They are the same. They come yeah. from some of the same places, but they express themselves differently. So just plain old Munchausens is when you yourself either believe or affect to believe that you have a life-threatening condition or a really debilitating condition. Um, a frank way of talking about it is this malingering, right? Faking, malingering, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, that in, in, in some ways, so much of this social justice behavior is interesting to look at in light of Munchausen's, right? It's, it's faking having an illness so that you get the attention. And as, as you guys have all said, the problem is now that we don't even, we're not even allowed to suggest this, right? We're not even allowed to suggest that somebody might be faking because faking implies strongly that somebody is consciously pulling bullshit and nobody wants to say that people are consciously pulling bullshit. And the refusal to say that, the removal of all social disapproval and social pushback against this has helped to create um, an unfortunately powerful cultural place that these people occupy. And they've got mental health wrapped around their fucking finger. I mean, you know, to a close approximation, if you see mental health professionals out there, and I know there are a lot of them who, who you won't hear from because they're frightened to speak because they know this is wrong, but the ones who get invited on talk shows, the ones who get invited on podcasts, the ones who comment all over social media, most of them are supporting this. You know, the popular ones. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's the same yeah. way, you know, we've seen, I mean, look at the last year, we've seen how uh, medicine has been so deeply corrupted by politics. And you can draw a straight line from little children, two-year-olds and three-year-olds being told that they're transgender and uh, taking blockers and hormones and stuff. You can draw a straight line from that to the lockups and masks and all of that. Um, yeah. And I think another aspect of this too is pushing, I don't know what your opinions are on this, but is pushing pharmaceutical drugs on people, getting them into that sort of ecosystem of being a lifelong pharmaceutical consumer and then turning them basically into zombies. I think that is something that does not get talked about enough is that we are becoming an entire nation of zombies because of pharmaceutical drugs. Mike and I talk about that. would require you to better yourself and put the onus on you is working. Yeah. That's why there's no judging allowed. There's that's why we, we drug people like anything that suggests, yeah, you might have problems with your life. You got to fix them. It's your, it's your, they're your problems and you got to fix them. They're not things. They're not like, that's, that's what's not allowed anymore. Sorry, Carrie, you were going to, I was going to say, Mike and I have talked about this offline a lot about pharmaceuticals and, and I definitely, my, just anecdotally, my experience with going through depression and going to see several different types of therapists and psychiatrists um, for a couple of years, it's been a while, it's been a few years, but for a while there, I was seeing a, a lot of people and um, trying to find the right one. And my experience was that in Los Angeles anyway, and then uh, with one person, the one psychiatrist I saw here in Austin, was that people just want to push you into drugs. That was my endorsement. They just want to give you, here's your prescription. Goodbye. Um, right. And, and there wasn't, like you're saying, it was sort of, 
at least the culture in LA, I'm, I'm sure it's different depending on where you live, but the culture in LA and the culture in the entertainment industry was sort of this, this it normalized, this normalization <laughs> of everyone's on some kind of pharmaceutical. And I started to notice it. I wasn't awake to it until uh, Trump was elected. And then I saw people posting about it all the time. People would be posting on the one hand, their over the top uh, histrionic posts about, about Trump being, being, you know, elected and how the world is going to end and these sort of hysterical posts about, uh, you know, being put into camps or, you know, how we never thought this day would come in America and all this stuff that was just way over the top and just seething hatred. And then that would be interspersed with posts about what kind of drugs are you guys on? Here's what I'm taking. I can't sleep. I have this, I have this depression. I can't get off the floor. And, and everyone's sharing like what pharmaceuticals they're on. And I start, that's when I, maybe my eyes were open to it at that point, but I noticed, Oh wow, this is really strange that everyone seems to be on something. And instead of it being sort of, Hey, you're going through a rough patch. We're going to have you on this uh, treatment plan with medication and then we'll get you off of it. It seems to me more, maybe I'm wrong, but it seems to me more that people are just like staying on things forever. Because independence and competence are vilified. Independence and competence are the key to undoing the radical left culturally. And so they're the biggest enemy is a person who doesn't need you doesn't need anyone else, doesn't need their approval, doesn't need their drugs, doesn't need anything else. They're competent, happy, productive on their fucking own. That is the biggest threat to their cultural war. And so whether it's drug people or convince them they've got some permanent disorder or it doesn't matter, whatever it is, they've gotta be broken <clears throat> in some way because unbroken people are a threat. I, I, For some reason, this issue of being around people who are just loaded up on pharmaceutical drugs has been like a constant in my life for some reason. Um, I was just talking about this with my mom that I was saying, I think uh, these pharmaceutical drugs are worse than heroin, worse than any illegal drug, because at least with something like heroin or crack or whatever, there's an acknowledgement that it's bad for you and you should stop doing it. It's the total opposite with these pharmaceutical drugs. And I think the key point with all of the issues we face is that there is a very clear agenda to get people started young and get children. And that's exactly what's happening with this is five-year-old boys are put on mind-altering, heavy pharmaceutical drugs for the crime of acting like a five-year-old boy. Can we talk um, about something about, since you're mentioning targeting children, so so one of the reasons why I think this, first of all, I think these videos are entertaining. And I again, I want to reiterate, I think, I think it's important to mock things that you think are harmful. And uh, I think these videos are harmful. I think this this sort of pushing the idea that everyone, lots of people have DID and that, you know, I, I just think it's worth mocking. I think they're hilarious. But I also think it's worth talking about because a lot of young people <clears throat> are in this community and they're picking this stuff up. And something I came into contact with recently, I know both of you saw the Kellogg's cereal box that they're putting out where on the side it's like a queer month pride month cereal box and on the side they say you know pick your pronouns and they have a little blank and it says he him she her they them and then it has places for kids to write in and make up their own pronouns so i had i came up against a few people not just one but a few people and these aren't people who are woke these are people who are followers and 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 what have you 
who were genuinely asking, why is this bad? And, and that blew my mind. I thought, isn't it obvious? Do I have to make the case for why this is bad? I guess I do have to make the case. Could you make a case for why you think that that is harmful for kids to be introducing preschoolers like at Blue's Clues to the idea of, of asexual, <clears throat> demisexual, pansexual, or to ask kids like what their pronouns are? Because it is part of a larger, it's a big part of a larger effort to rewrite reality and push a reality on children that is by every single possible measure false. It's the same thing of the kids are growing up now. And think about it, the fact that it is bad enough that these kids are already years now being raised by iPads. These parents leave kids in a, alone in a room with a screen. I mean, you've seen, I'm sure, those things of those YouTube cartoons that just go on autoplay with sick shit in it, like bleeding needles. It was this whole thing. And these parents had no clue because they go, oh, well, I just have my toddler sit in front of the iPad for hours and the auto plays all day. So that's bad enough. Now we have kids being raised to think that this is normal. Kids being taught to fear human connection, to cover up their faces. And we're already in such a dire situation before all of this. The uh, human connection just in the era we live in is already is becoming sort of a thing of the past. So now you're going to have kids thinking that this is normal who will take that with them in lives, who will take their parents' histrionics and hysteria and fear of people, fear of fresh air. It is so sick. And it's, again, painting a false reality. So they're going to live with this reality for the rest of their lives unless they can deprogram themselves at some point, which most of them probably won't. And they'll be drugged up on Prozac anyway and too foggy to do it. Um, so they're going to grow up thinking that fresh air is going to kill you, cover your face, stay away from people. There are 97 genders. You can have a sex change at six months. Like it's sick. And beyond it being sick, it is false. Hmm. So, you know, can I start a comment on the false thing for kids? Because there's something, um, do you know the process of annealing? Does that metaphor work for anyone? Yes. Um, you have like like a metal, (laughs) like you have like a, like metals or whatever, and they're melted and they're, the particles are kind of every which way because it's melted. It's heat. Like things are moving around. Do you remember from like junior high school, heat is movement, right? So there's the particles are moving around and you slowly, you slow it down in a controlled fashion and in a way to get the. Uh, particles to align in a certain way so you can get strong you can get strength along a particular angle or whatever if you think about developing an identity as a child so one of the things children are doing is they're developing their identity and if you use the annealing analogy they come out hot they're just like there's chaos going on there's like literally just shapes at them at first and like what the hell is this thing? You the babies look at their hands like, oh fuck, I control it. Like, like it takes them a while just to figure out where their body ends and the world begins. And as they grow up, that process, I if you if you think about it as, a, as an annealing analogy, they're slowly solidifying into an identity, right? Oh, I'm a boy. Oh, I like motorcycles, whatever it is. Like, oh, I these like these are the things about me. These are oh, I'm I have blonde hair or I have black hair or my, you know, whatever it is. I, I speak this language, whatever it is. They're like figuring out their identity. And obviously by the time you get to high school, that becomes a little bit more abstracted and they're trying to figure out 
uh, more what they believe and that kind of stuff. And usually, at least typically, they've figured out by then what gender they are and whether they like boys or girls and that kind of like that's should be kind of solidified by late high school usually. Um, when you come in with kids at, at preschool or um, kindergarten level, you are you're remelting that you're at, you're like shattering the identity they've started to form because they've started to figure out like little kids will be like girls have vagina and boys have penis. like they they like to talk about it they kind of know they like the distinctions like oh i'm this and they're that and like i'm understanding this and like this is what i am and you're coming in and you're traumatizing their identity by saying your pronouns are whatever. We don't actually know what you are, right? It's a, it's, it's a trauma to their very identity. And I think it takes, it will take years to recover, even if they don't like say, well, no, no, I'm definitely he, him or she, like I, I'm sure about it. There's that question that's introduced that's like, well, are people not sure what I am? Maybe I'm not sure what I am. Like it's, it's introduces a question that, and, and by the way, especially when it's sexualized, which it is, it's introducing stuff that's totally not on the radar. They haven't started to solidify their sexual identity yet. So now you're throwing your cooling spots of their identity that shouldn't be there. Like you're like <clears> solidifying, <throat> Hey, you got to think about this thing over here. You're totally screwing with their identity. And, um, not then that's not to say that there's not some small percentage of the population that, when they reach, uh, you know, when they've started to solidify their identity, when they're older, realize I don't actually fit all of the stereotypical feminine traits or masculine traits or whatever. And maybe maybe I'm a little bit different in this way. But that's a nuance that's that's later figured out to do this on mass to all kids, I think, is really, really dangerously disruptive to their identity formation. And by the way, maybe related it's way easier to control a population full of people who have no fucking clue who they are. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you, and, and Oh, sorry. I was just say real quick. Um, and kids don't know what the hell they are and they don't need to. It is so irrelevant. You know, when I was a kid, when I was seven, eight, nine, ten 10 years old, I was obsessed with naked women. You would have thought that I was on track to be the next Hugh Hefner. That's what kids fucking know. It's yep. sick. It's so sick. It is so, yeah, sorry. I, I think also, Carter, I mean, I think I agree with everything you just said, Carter. Well said. I think what is really going on culturally with the creation, and I do mean creation. I, I mean that this is being created out of whole cloth. It is fiction. It is not real. It is not part of the human condition, naturally. It is a creation. The creation of the identity of the trans child or the queer child, right? I'm, we can talk about it another time, but I am bracketing off children who will turn out to be gay. Um, and I'm bracketing them off specifically because queer world wants to mash them together. And that's it for nefarious reasons. Leave those aside. The creation of the idea of the trans child is, I think, a deliberate engineering of an origin story to justify adult dysfunction. I think it is that bad. I think it's that sinister. I think they are deliberately creating a non-real, the perception 
they're deliberately creating the construction of the transgender child and they want the children to be confused about their pronouns and pick their pronouns and do this, that, and the other thing because this is a justification that naturalizes their psychosexual dysfunction in adulthood, okay? Mm. Um, so they're going to, in adulthood, turn around and say, oh, look at all the trauma we put on them as kids. No wonder they're messed up, is that? No, I mean, I mean that... You see this with so-called trans women, right? A grown adult men who claim to be women. First of all, they rewrite their own histories all the time. If you if you ever end up talking to people who knew this now grown man when he was a child, they will often claim, oh, I've known I was trans since I was three or four years old, da-da-da-da-da. And then people in their lives are like, he didn't act that way. None of those things that he said happened. So there's a lot of confabulation going on there. This is a retroactive rewriting of a narrative. They want the they want people to believe in the transgender child because that naturalizes um, something oh, current that's, transgender. Their current right. transgender. I see. Okay. okay? Right. It's it legitimizes. It says I was born this way, and they are willing to create a fictional category of children that does not exist, and that that a category which will have serious psychologically deleterious effect on children all in the service of normalizing and naturalizing what is, quite frankly, often a straight-up perversion. Right? So, they're, so they're using – so children are collateral damage in the yeah. legitimization of Jessica Yannick. That's all they are, absolutely. Yes, because it's, a, it's adults who want, I think, to say a lot of, a lot of the activists – and again, I will – just in case you want to see, I'm going to make the – delineation between trans activists and transgender people because I know transgender people who are not trans activists and who are not SJWs and who are not pushing this on kids and some of them are the loudest voices like Buck Angel against pushing this on kids um, but the ones who are pushing this on children the activists and the people who claim to be trans and claim to speak for trans people they definitely have no problem with children today being collateral damage so that they can point backwards like you're saying Josh and say look see Look at all these kids. Look at the increase. What they're saying is now, because we've seen this explosion now that this has become mainstreamed and part of uh, like trendy and part of social justice ideology and a way to claim marginalization and oppression, which we know gives you social status now in this ideology. Now that that's happened, the numbers of people claiming to be trans have skyrocketed. I think I, last statistic I saw said the numbers doubled, right? Why is it doubling? Well, they will claim they will say, oh, it's doubling because now we're creating an environment where everyone's comfortable being open about it. I would say you don't have evidence of that. I don't think that's true. And in fact, I think what you're doing is creating an environment of uh, a social contagion, much yep. like the numbers of anorexia skyrocketed after anorexia became a mainstream thing that people were aware of. Alan McBeal mainstreamed it. And then suddenly the numbers of people claiming to be anorexic skyrocketed and people started getting into that the same way they're getting into this DID stuff. Oh, I, I have that. That's me. Yeah. Um, the same thing happened with cutting. Cutting became a social contagion. The same thing happened with uh, Josh and I talked about this once offline, I think, but satanic panic in the nineties, all these people who claim to have recovered memories of satanic ritualized abuse at daycares. Do you yep. remember all those stories? Yeah, 
the McMartin trial. That was also yeah. that I'm glad you brought that up, Carrie. Um, if anyone is actually interested in reading um, some of the history about this, you will find connections going back at least to the 1980s to what you see today. The satanic panic of the 1980s encompassed various claims, including that children, um, adult, almost entire, not entirely, but almost entirely adult women uh, were groomed by malicious therapists and misguided therapists into believing that they had been sexually molested by their parents um, and often in gruesome ways that included satanic rituals, um, aborting babies to feast on the corpse. I mean, it was that broke, right? But that same thing, this all relied on the idea that they had recovered memories that they'd repressed. So a woman who was 26 years old, who was having stability problems in her life, all of a sudden remembered that from the age of four, her father was raping her with a curling iron. I'm not exaggerating. These are the kinds of claims that were commonly made, mm -hmm. uh, that they completely forgotten. They just brushed it out of their minds and everybody believed it, right? Like, has anyone seen a Holocaust survivor? Has anyone seen someone who was in Auschwitz who fucking forgot they were in Auschwitz? They just totally forgot being in a concentration camp? This doesn't make any sense at all. But it also encouraged what was then called multiple personality disorder. Yes. And alters. This is all That's what you are seeing today from. is not new. Hmm. This is not new. This is almost 50 years old in our culture now. And, and it's like the euphemism treadmill. Every time something, every time people start cottoning on to a scam or a con, they give it a new name. So it starts out as split personality. Then it becomes multiple personality disorder. Note the insertion of the word disorder. This it gives it a patina of psychiatric legitimacy. Now it's called dissociative identity disorder. Why do they keep changing the name? Because when enough time goes along and everybody starts to understand what this really is and starts to ask questions about whether it makes sense, they've got to put a new medical brand name on it or a new cultural brand name. So if you want to read about this, there's a really good book called Victims of Memory. The author is Mark Pendergrast, not Gast. Grast, Pendergrast. Um, Mark was accused by his adult daughters of, of engaging in, in uh, florid and insane sexual abuse of them all throughout their childhoods. He claims that that did not happen. They were caught up in the, in the memory panic of the, of the 80s and 90s. He wrote a very thick book detailing this uh, and talking to other parents who'd been accused of this. That's, that's one way to uh, understand a little bit of what you're seeing today. Thank you. I will definitely check that out. I've not heard of that book. Um, you know what? Yeah. It's just out for clarification, is is the DID in the like the DSM five? Is the is the APA complicit in this? I believe it's in there now. Yes, yes. I'll look that up to make sure. They always have been, and they remain okay. so just, today. Okay. So the the psychological the this establishment of psychologists doesn't really care about any of the side effects of any of this? I mean, have they done anything to police? There's controversy. There are, there are therapists and professionals out there who, 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 whose, whose beliefs are closer to, to my point of view, uh, but they yeah. don't win out. Okay. 
There's certain no, no, and they, seen it that uh, the they censor research on this. Doctors get fired. They lose their practices. They have the entire alphabet industry come out to get them. So I really think that we're at a point now. And like I said, same with a lot of the COVID shit is at, we're at a point now where they just go along with it. They just go along to get along. I mean, what are what these doctors going to say to a five year old? You know, no, you can't have your hormones. They would be picketed. They would be, and I think a lot of them just be like, uh, better to pretend and play make believe. Yeah, it's it's frustrating because with psychology, not only is it kind of not really a full blown science, um, it's also the the effects of bad psychology take decades to figure out sometimes. So, like if you if you're if you're you know propagating a bad idea in physics. People implement it quickly, look at it, and go, "Well, that doesn't work," and you're gone, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it doesn't. It doesn't take very long. Um, but if you're spewing bullshit in psychology, which already is lots of theory and not as evidentiary based as it ought to be, um, it might take three generations before someone looks back and goes, "Oh, look what happened to those kids when when we were shocking their brains." Look what or whatever it was, right? There's actually, I would like to show you, speaking of doctors, oh, go ahead. And that's, I learned recently that that's still legal and still goes on today, including to give it to, give shock treatment to minors against their will. Really? Mm-hmm. In the U.S.? For what? Think of, yep, you think of, they claim it's for depression and stuff, there are even people say it's helped them with that, so I don't know about that, but you just think of something like electroshock treatment being this horrible barbaric thing from the past. And it's still going on today and no one cares. Uh, I, I knew that adults are still, cause I, I know someone who elected to have shock treatment, but I did me not too. know that kids were kids could get it, but that doesn't surprise me because they're now allowing kids to take hormones and, you know, yeah. make, life altering decisions about their body and their sexual development and puberty blockers and all of this. So um, nothing shocks me anymore with what we're allowing kids to do. No. And it's been this way for, oh, I'm sorry. Uh, I was just saying, it's been this way for a long time and it's gotten infinitely worse since then. But even when I was a kid, when I was like five years old or whatever, I was basically the same as I am now. Like, a lippy, loud, insufferable bitch. Um, so because of that, I got sent to the child psychiatrist and they want, I was hyper and I was all of the, there was all this jargon that they wanted to drug me up. You have to take Ritalin, you have to take Adderall, you have to take all these things. And I'm so thankful that my dad said over my dead body, will that happen? Um, and then again in high school, I, uh, I got sent to the psychologist when I was like 16 because I kind of punched my teacher and got suspended, but whatever, he deserved it. But um, I had to go to like meet him at Starbucks because he was like the cool shrink. So I'm, I'm, I have nothing to talk about this guy. I'm bored out of my mind. So I'm just sitting there fidgeting, playing with the label on my Snapple bottle and I ripped it off. I'd been sitting there with this guy for less than five minutes. Um, and he says to me, he's like, what you just did is a sign of severe mental illness. And then gave me the list of pharmaceuticals he wants to put me on, antidepressants, all this, because I was fidgeting with my Snapple bottle because I was bored. And this was, you know, 10 years ago. So it's only gotten so, so, so much worse since then. So in my opinion, I'm going to make Carter's head explode right now because I know you don't like government or whatever. I think 
ban the damn pharmaceutical sales industry. I feel like nothing will ever change when there is an entire Ponzi scheme incentive structure to drug as many people up as possible. And that's how people profit. The entire concept of it is sick. I don't, my head won't explode. I just disagree with you. (laughs) I, can I, can I cue up something else for us quickly? Uh, This is, so, so I mentioned there was drama in this community, this DID community. So the, the first video we watched was from one of the most popular supposedly DID uh, YouTube creators, uh, Chloe, who also goes by Nin, now that Nina and Chloe have merged her per- two really personalities. So there's another one who recently came out. Now this woman, I wasn't familiar with her, but apparently a lot of people are. Her name is Trisha Pattis. Pattis. She has 5 million subscribers. And there's video of her, by the way, Josh, we're not going to pull this one up, but there is video of her on camera talking about how she has borderline personality disorder and explaining what that means. And, and she does. I've watched enough. She's right. She does. She's right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but then, so she came out with a video. So after Chloe kind of In went this popular. Ad, pay attention to the actor's gums. Uh, gums. I can you hear something. About- Sorry, I'm trying to pull up the video you sent. I should have turned off the volume. Okay, just the second second video. So this is Trisha. Now, this is after Chloe went big, and there were lots of news articles about this emerging uh, community of very popular YouTubers who have supposedly DID. Trisha Paytas then did a video saying, well, guess what? I also have DID, and I'm going to switch on camera. we have Didn't a video of that. Claim to be trans all of a sudden. I think she may Wait, also so- claim to be non-binary. I'll have to look that up while this video is playing. But she did claim to be borderline and now a DID. And in this one, she starts doing switching, much like the Chloe person that we saw. And we can fast forward to like the middle of it, Carter. In fairness to Chloe, she did edit between the switches. She didn't like. She had to go do an. This one doesn't at least. No. I don't know. I'm just asking. Okay. Uh, all right. Let's see here. Well, I'm excited. Ooh. All right. Here we go. Oh, you is said this, middle. Are character. we watching Gremlins? Wait. Start at the beginning. <laughs> start at the oh, beginning, at the beginning. And, then, and then we can okay. fast forward. Oh, to the other okay. Woo. <laughs> That's the best way to start a video. <laughs> I'm not gonna address the hate of the last video. I feel like I've already done that. Where I can, when I can, and what I can. There's nothing I can do to change. Is she? I'm sorry, I can't hear. Is she talking to herself? I'm gonna turn off the volume. <laughs> she's talking about. She's, she's not just mumbling to herself. Is she talking? Is she, she's addressing the audience. No. Yeah, five, five million subscribers. Or, like your opinions are your opinions, and that's just. Oh, we have to leave it. But um. So today has been very draining as far as my altars go. T, the protector, is nowhere to be found. In fact, uh, by the way, I'm also very drained. So she's saying that already. I don't know if you heard what she just said there, but she said today's been very draining as far as my altars go. D, the protector. So they all, they all, like I said, a lot of rules have developed in this community. And they, it's it's like they all read the same book. And so now they all say, well, 
this is my altar. D, D is my protector. Just like in the Chloe video we saw, she had Jade. Jade is her protector. Like they have oh, di- they have different archetypes for their personalities. She, she's going to have like a protector and a meek one and a sexual one. A and sexy she's got one, all the, yeah. All the different categories. All right. Correct. All right. And this is the stoned one. <laughs> <laughs> I believe he got scared the most when he, we were asked about who my protector is on my altars and he did not want to come forward. And it's hard for me, it doesn't just switch, but today I caught the switch on camera, which I'll show you at the end, to Boulder. Um, so skip ahead to the end, that's where she switches. Tyranny. I, this person makes me want to slap them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Why? Okay, it's, are you watching? I'm an, yeah. an impatient person and it's... <laughs> wait, what would Josh say? I'm going to slap the bad injections out of her face. No. Oh. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm just, I'm impatient and I feel like nothing's happening. No, that's because uh-huh. nothing okay. is. Okay, there we go. Where do we go? There we go. Right there. there. Her kitchen? Yeah, good. All right. Oh, kitchen. Put some pants on. Right? And then I would just hope you can forgive us. Oh, come on. Hungry. <laughs> what? Pick that shit up. This is her switching. What's she, she switching hap- to? She happened to catch this on camera, guys. She happened to catch it. Why does her cupboard open like a closet? Dude, put it down. You don't need it Has anymore. she switched already? <laughs> Where's the switch? Did I miss it? That when she dropped the cup. Now no, that was the here. switch? Yeah. And this was oh, we happened. have to go watch that again. Sorry. No, no, no. I didn't realize that okay. was the... No, no. I got to watch okay. it again. I'm sorry. I... Did you catch okay. her? Did you catch... And then I would just hope you can forgive us. For what? For what? Oh. Wow. That was good. <laughs> Bravo. Bravo. This is, by the way, she just happened to catch this switch on camera. Right. So I happen very- to have my, my my camera set up on my kitchen, watching and me full go lighting through. hair and makeup. <laughs> right. Well, because it has to be one of my alters who's a fucking pig who crammed eats Doritos because I could never be like that. Right. And did you did you catch her? I'm sorry, but fuck this bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> Did you catch her at the end of that little thing? Did you catch the eye contact she made with the camera? No. Oh, wait, let's no, I gotta see. go look that again. We we have to, it's a we tell. Have to review. All right. You mean when she's eating Doritos? Yeah, it ju- in just a few more seconds. Oh, when she's eating Doritos? Yep, yeah. yep. Let or, it go. Okay. Let it go. Like here. here. Oh, okay. Yep. Ah. Uh. No, maybe it wasn't quite what I thought it was. Keep letting I'm it sorry. go, Carter. I, I, I'm, I wanna... I'm an adult. I don't recall waddling aimlessly around my kitchen Ooh. eating a bag of Doritos. Is that a thing people do? You guys, 
Have you seen? You have, have to you, let it go though, because we yes. haven't heard from this. We haven't heard from this oh. altar. I would just like to hear from this altar. Really oh, quickly. we need more. Sorry. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Let's hear what Doritos altar says. Okay. D is Doritos. Okay. <laughs> Just so what is that? What's she doing? Oh, no. is that Gosh, she's so trashy. You gonna hang herself in the roll? This is <laughs> That's where my bitch go for bad shoe. What are these, Mike and I? Oh, cupcakes. It's labor. <laughs> He's birthing a new altar. Perfect. And the author goes too. Oh. 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 oh, God. Doesn't that go in the garbage? Oh, man, the water. <laughs> okay, so she's back. You see what just happened? Wait. She's back. Oh, yeah, are we back to the first one? Yeah, because she goes, oh, my stomach. Like, where am I? Oh, did I eat these Doritos? She goes, oh, man, my water. And she picks up her cup where she dropped it before. <laughs> like, what we I have supposed- seen, I just want to say this, yeah. I, I have seen community theater that was better. Yeah. Have you guys seen that. the movie? I'm like waiting for Guffman shit right there. Yeah, right. it is. It is totally waiting for Guffman You know what else it is? Have you seen the movie Death Becomes Her? Yes! yes. Okay, Mikey, was she not Goldie Hawn in her fat days in her cat with a car? <laughs> going over to the cupboard, opening it up, and there's... There's 26 different brands of Betty Crocker frosting, and she just picks one up, opens it up, turns to the camera, and goes. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Okay. Can you please start to go fund me for acting lessons for this girl? So there is a doctor for anybody who wants to subscribe to someone. If you're interested in this oh subject, God. there is a doctor who you mentioned before, Josh, that there are some psychiatrists who are not on board with this and who are not valid, simply validating this. This is, I think yeah. a lot of lately, you know, we've got to this place where they keep talking about affirming, affirming, which just means affirm everything at any cost. Right? It means so, indulging. Indulging. Yeah. Yes. Well, so there's one doctor on YouTube. His name is Dr. Todd Grand or Grande. I don't know how you pronounce it, G-R-A-N-D-E, Dr. Todd Grande. And this is the third video I sent you um, where he talks about both of these people. And he, we don't have to watch that unless you want to, Carter, but there's a video where he, it's called DID Switching Channels, Trisha Paytas and Dissocia DID. And he basically goes through and from a psychiatrist's point of view, he points out how all of this is manufactured. This is not how it would present anyway, if you were to see switching and, you know, sort of uh, is doing his best on his channel to present some, any information that's grounded in science rather than just. I'd like to point something out though. Yeah. 
Uh, you said she has f- five million fans or something. Would you say five million subscribers? Yeah. I don't think they care that it's fake. Nope, they no. don't. I think Wait, they probably say? know and they don't care. I, they probably know it's fake and they don't care. Some of them know it's not. I mean, some of them obviously know it's fake. I think others, you you would be surprised if you look at some of these videos in the comments, because I was thinking it would mostly be comments of people saying, what a great actor, this is crazy, whatever. No, especially on the first girl we looked at, Chloe, a lot of the comments are for, appear to be from young people who are uh, young posting women. things like young women who are saying, thank you for being so brave to show us this part of your stuff on camera, to show us your altars on camera. Thank you for being so vulnerable. Thank you for shining a light on the stigma. Cause again, they have, it's very important to them to feel like victims and like there's a stigma and like what they're doing is courageous, right? Like that. So I was shocked at the number of affirmative, affirmative, affirmative or whatever, affirming comments. Did you um, notice how she said, um, um, in the beginning, uh, when she was still in her living room, what the the sort of resentful way that she said that D, her protector, had refused to come out. Yes, yeah. that's a tell as well. This is it's it's all bound up with that um, um, the self the presentation of the self as a victim, which is which is almost which is common to almost every borderline. Okay, um, you know this sort and this type does, I mean, I call it damsel in distressing, right? You know, she needs to be cared for. She's a fragile, she's she's like a, a newly hatched chick. She needs to be taken care of. Other people are failing her for not protecting her, not standing in front of problems that come to her. And while we are watching that, just so people know, if you want to uh, take a look at this on your own, look up the Wikipedia entry for dissociative identity disorder. It's not just me making it up. There's an entire section on how a number of mental health clinicians believe that this is either comorbid with or merely another description of borderline personality borderline. disorder. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. And, and and like you said, I think you're right on. I think it's a a strange mix of borderline and histrionic because there's also that, that person that me, me, me. Somebody said earlier, we, we haven't really been doing the super chats because this was a episode where we wanted to get through all, all of these, all these points, but somebody said, Oh, here it is. I'll fight you naked said Douglas Murray defines non-binary as look at me. I'm convinced that this stuff shares that definition. Yep. Yeah. Well, uh, I, um, I get that the, this is evidence for me that I'm not going to, I'm not going to argue about pharmaceutical companies with you, Mikey, but this is evidence that like, it kind of doesn't matter what we do with the drugs. The problem isn't the drugs themselves. The problem is that we have a culture like this and like the drugs didn't come first. Like this, this is, this is a serious problem and it should make you question universal suffrage. That's fine. But (laughs) but it also does question people who never would have gone there. I've known so many – every person I've ever known who's been put on antidepressants is the same reasons. They had a breakup. There was a death. Some temporary thing where they were in a bad place and then someone swooped in to take advantage of that 
and said, here, take this, you'll feel better, turns them into a zombie, makes them miserable, um, but then they're hooked. It's, it's sort of like the Iraq war. There is no exit strategy. You are meant to stay on these forever and be a lifelong consumer and just give them money, 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 money for the rest of your life. Multiply that by tens of millions of people. It, it is yep. so sick. It is so sick. But it's both of those things, absolutely. It's the culture, too. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I agree that there's – I guess if we had a better culture, people wouldn't be doing – like no one should be telling a five-year-old that he should be on Ritalin so easily. Like that should not be – that should not be the go-to thing. Um, mm-hmm. and, and parents should be like your dad pushing back, but they're not, and that's no. – you know, that's a problem. We, well, do you want to do some super chats? We have a bunch yeah. of them, Carrie. Yeah, let's do through. some. Let's do some. But one to your point about parents and, and, and protecting kids. Some of the parents, what we're seeing today, have what Josh was talking about earlier. It's a kind of a Munchausen by proxy, where they are right. getting attention. They are getting off on their child being one of these special oppressed, you know, groups. And so you will see. I know someone in the comedy world that I used to be in who. Uh, started doing posts on Twitter a couple years ago, a few years ago about his trans three-year-old and right. became a big deal all about the trans three-year-old. And, and you're like, I, I really, that's your and, Munchausen and by proxy. That yeah. is your Munchausen right. by proxy. Okay. And, and I don't know what that's like to go through that. If you, if you do have a child who at that young is thinks they're in the, the wrong body, thinks that their body is wrong. I don't know what that's like, but I also know I wouldn't be putting it out there online telling everybody um, my child says, my boy says that he's a girl. So now I'm going to validate that. Or my girl says she's a boy. So I'm going to validate that. I mean, you're, you're locking your kid into, you're doing what you said, Carter, you're solidifying something at three. Um, and we've seen, we've seen posts from, remember that post from the mom who was really upset that her trans, her trans, um, daughter didn't want to get a haircut to look like a boy and didn't want to take a boy's name. Oh yeah. Was very upset yeah. about it. That really says it all. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it, it, there's, there's one way and I, I don't, I hope people don't get the impression that, um, that dissociation is not a, a, a thing that happens. It does. It's just that it's gotten, it's gotten really muddied up by this histrionic performativity, but yes. you can, and, and it's hard for us to know and it's hard for us to segregate these people. But I think for many of these people, they probably are experiencing some kind of dissociation. And I think for very many of them, they really probably do have traumatic backgrounds in their childhood. Um, I'll just tell you very quickly about uh, a time when in my childhood, when I was pretty severely dissociated Um so most of you know this, but for those of you who don't, my mother has borderline and narcissistic personality disorders. My childhood was like living in a household headed by a cross between Joan Crawford and Carrie White's mother in, in the movie Carrie. I mean, it was a very deranged, very abusive, violent household. Um, and when I was about 10 years old, um, between 10 and 12 was was probably the worst time in, in my home in terms of the psychological torment. It was really like a made-for-TV movie. I was so stressed out. I was so depressed. I so wanted to escape from it that for about a year, I had convinced myself 
uh, and I literally believed this. It wasn't just that I wished it. I literally believed that I was a character in a series of books that I was reading that was set in the 19th century. Think sort of a Tom Sawyer-esque story, but, but more heartwarming. A couple of boys who were boy geniuses who figured out how to get into old locked up haunted houses and fool adults and, you know, doesn't matter what it was. That book and then another book uh, that came out later uh, that I read the same year. First, I was convinced that I was a, a Victorian kid out of time. I literally thought I was out of time. I was supposed to be back in the 19th century. Then I thought I was, and you can laugh at this, then I thought I was a reincarnated Native American. <laughs> yes. so, um, so I had this, a period of about a year where I was so elaborately into this fantasy that I really did believe this stuff was going on. And it's clear now looking back that this was escapist fantasy and it, it had gotten out of control. There was no escaping my house. There were yes. no outside adults that I could talk to. I could, I could, I neither could tell people what my mother was doing, nor did I believe that they would believe me if I told them. So I had to escape somewhere that happens, you know, and, and there are all other kinds of dissociation that people go through when they are, trapped when they're hostages, right? So I think there is a lot of genuine suffering and a lot of genuine psychiatric disturbance and genuine false beliefs. Um, but the problem is, as you've been saying, it's not seen as something to get past. It's seen as something to be proud of, you know? Yeah. And you know what? Can I, I'm going to jump in with an anecdote because it's funny how much you and I have, we overlap on some things, Josh, but I had a moment too as a child where I also trying to escape my household, trying to escape my mother. I was obsessed with the soap opera Santa Barbara mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and fell into that fantasy world of these characters and uh, used to, um, uh, when I, when I was at my grandmother's, I could watch it anytime because it was my, one of my grandma's favorite stories. But when I was at home, I wasn't allowed to watch it because my mom would just take things from us that we enjoyed, whether it was books we liked or things, yep. anything you enjoyed, friends, you couldn't have friends over. So I used to um, get up in the middle of the night. I would secretly tape these during the day and get up in the middle of the night and watch them very quietly in the living room. And I had this, my secret world there. And I used to hide from her in the top of my closet. And I had, to this day, I haven't, haven't looked at it since I was a kid, but I had written on the top of the closet, my different personalities. One of the characters in the soap opera had different multiple personalities. There was a plot line. This is what I'm talking about, about social contagions where kids pick things up. So I picked something up from this show that I was, had fallen into that I liked escaping to in a fantasy world. And I started trying to cause this in myself. I started imagining these are my different personalities. Eden Capwell from the show, right? Like BJ. Um, and then the girl, woman who played her, Marcy Walker. I had them all, I had a whole like little family tree of who was inside of me. You had and a system. I, thought, I had a system. I was trying to manufacture a system and one would be my protector and I could pretend to be these people as, as like a, a, an outlet. I didn't really have multiple personality disorder. It was something that I, as a child. You had an imagination. I had an imagination and I wanted for a while, I wanted this to be true. It made it feel like it was like something special or maybe this, it takes you away from something that's darker that you're living in at the time and a way of escape. Now imagine though, imagine if YouTube had existed then. And in addition to having this fantasy world, I had gone online and read all and, and, 
and read was able to read more about multiple personality and DID and all the stuff that these kids are doing now and find YouTubers who are talking about it and splitting and really felt affirmed and validated that this was really happening. And everyone affirmed me. Imagine where I could be now if I had if I had really attached myself to this what thankfully was a small portion of my childhood, uh, maybe a year if that. If imagine if I had really attached myself to that idea and built my identity around it and invested time in it. And I, this is what I mean about it's doing harm to kids. You could have well, had everything thing, Trisha Paytas has. <laughs> <laughs> All this could be yours, Carrie. Carrie, you would have five million followers now. I mean, that's oh the best answer. We should we should open up. We should we should start. I mean, fuck OnlyFans. Let's just open one called Only Borderlines. <laughs> Wait, what's your fantasy? We'll validate it. <laughs> we'll affirm it. Oh my god! Tell us your deepest no, secret. I think that's really. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I think really the biggest problem is how deep all of these things are in terms of them coming from authority figures. Because with kids, maybe it would start from YouTube or something like that. But the real problem is, are these authority figures affirming all of it, people that you're supposed to trust. We're supposed to be able to trust doctors. We're supposed to be able to trust teachers, trust the experts, as they say. Um, and no, since you guys were talking about parents, it's the same thing with me that like um, most of my life when I was growing up and shit, my mom was like a hardcore prescription drug addict. Um, she's not now. I put a stop to that. I detoxed her and she's doing great, but we're super close now. But, you know, from the time I was a little kid, I saw she never had to go to drug dealers. She could just go to doctors. They would they put her on this when she was my age, sought her out and said, here, take medicine. They called it. This will help you. And then one prescription becomes five prescriptions, becomes 10 prescriptions, becomes 15. Um, and they're giving these problems. And you could just go to these doctors and get prescription after prescription after prescription. Um if anyone hasn't seen it, watch. I don't know if you guys have heard of this movie, Running with Scissors, but oh, yeah, I've read the book. Yeah, a prescription drug addict. I, uh, that was, movie was like is like about my childhood, basically. Um, but yeah, I yeah. think it is truly one of the most terrifying and most horrible things that is happening in our culture that nobody will talk about. And I think a lot, and because you know, of course, are there some people? I would say a small minority who possibly belong on them and are helped by them, great. Those aren't the people I'm talking about. But it's like every other subject where you can't make a larger point without uh, uh, people wanting to focus on the little 5% of people who do belong on them, you know? Yeah. <clears throat> I've, I, um, I just wanted to, before you have to go, I'm not sure what time you have to go, Mikey, but Carter wanted us to do super chats and there was one that's particularly fun. It's a fun question from Grant. He says, question for the panel. What is your favorite movie with a heavy mental health theme? Running with Scissors. Running with Scissors. Oh, that movie is What's yours, Carrie? Okay. Uh, I don't know if I had to rank them. I don't know, but I'll just name a few. I actually liked, uh, gosh, what was that one? I read the book for this one too. And then they made a movie from it. Angelina Jolie was in it and it's about borderline girl and uninterrupted. Yes. 
Oh, Girl Interrupted. Girl Interrupted. Yeah, Do you remember that? I've never uh, seen it. I know of it. Yeah, that one. But, you know, some of the movies that we've talked about, Mommy Dearest was really impactful for me. I know that's on your list. Um, let me think about let me think about a few others. Probably Bastard Out of Carolina, which is also based on a book, a book by Dorothy Allison. And it, it, it's a memoir of her childhood and her relationship with her mom and uh, the abuse, childhood abuse. Um, yeah, these are depressing books. <laughs> depressing book hour but also campy there's something about to get back to the very beginning of the conversation there's something about uh camp that allows people to have sort of a sense of humor about things that might that might that are 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 very that can be traumatic and to be able to laugh at something that is awful i think is a gift and so uh I think I think some of these movies become um, are considered campy, but I think that's a healthy thing. Well, I, think I don't know that- if I think this is campy, but you're reminding me of the movie Wrist Cutters, which is like super super. It's about a super. You know that movie Wrist Cutters, a love story. Yeah, it's a great it's a great movie, but it's about like suicidal people who kill themselves and end up in this alternate reality where it's basically like their hell is just another version of the world but it's not as good and people can't smile (laughs) like it's like it's like worse than the other world um but it's actually it's actually a really good movie um but if no one's seen it a couple people in chat said joker and a beautiful mind those are two good um what is your list josh oh um well i mean i think that I, I'm not. I'm not able to call any to mind right now that have an overt and stated mental health theme. I'm sure I've seen them, um, but I tend, I tend to pick things that are. I tend to see those themes in movies that are ostensibly about something else. Right. But but for me, they're really about, you know, usually personality disorders, personality dysfunction. I mean, obviously, Mommy Dearest, um, Carrie, um, falls into that. Um, you know, I mean, it's, you know, that, that movie is, you know, Stephen King would get pissed off. He, Stephen King gets pissed off at everybody who interprets his, his work differently from, from the words that he uses to describe it. He hated Stanley Kubrick's version of, uh, film version of his book, The Shining, but that's another one I would say is, is, um, I mean, yeah, natural story, but to me, it's actually about domestic abuse and alcoholism. Um, you know, movies like that, uh, whatever happened to baby Jane with Betty Davis and Joan Crawford. Um, it yes. is a movie about, um, is a, is a movie about, um, personality disturbance, particularly the kinds that you find in Hollywood. Um, and you know, I mean, you've got a character, you, you've got Betty Davis's character who is clearly an alcoholic with borderline personality disorder. Um, what is not brought forward in the film so I can't, I can't, I can't really state that, you know, it's about that, but I think that, you know, um, Joan Crawford's character in that, although she's the sympathetic one, um, is, is quite probably just a very clever narcissistic personality disorder case, uh, who meshes with, um, with her sister's unstable borderline in ways that have kept them trapped 
in a mutually abusive relationship for decades and decades and decades. I totally agree. You know, I, I mean, I think you're looking at the you're looking at the classic dyad, which is well known in the literature. Usually you see it in married couples, but you can see it in, in other partnerships. You're looking at the classic dyad between the clinical narcissist and the clinical borderline compounded by um, alcohol addiction and how they feed off each other. And and when you when you watch it enough times, when you think about it, you know, you see that there are two victims and two villains and they're both the same people. Mm. Yes. Yes. I think you're right. They, they feed off each other and they rely on the other person's darkness to be the victim at different times. They don't know any, they don't know any other way to live. Right. Yeah. And so while, while it's grand guignol and it's over the top, I, I I think it's very truthful. I, I, Mm -hmm. that dynamic is real, you know, it really is. I've got another one. Single, single white female. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> Fatal attraction. Fatal attraction, yeah. yes. Attraction. Yeah. Which is, oh my God, the borderlines hate fatal attraction. They hate it, they hate it, they hate it. And a bunch of their... I think she's very misunderstood. Oh, yeah, exactly. And a bunch of the, I guess we could call it sim therapists, also hate it because they're like, oh, it just really gives everybody a stupid, like, really bad name. And, like, you know, most people aren't like this and it is totally not like that. And like borderlines aren't scary and crazy and blah, blah, blah. Okay. Yeah. Most of them aren't actually literal bunny boilers. I'll give you that because very few people do actually boil bunnies, but it's not that far off. You know, no, most people like that are not going to turn into actual psychotic murderers, but it's still the same family. Can I, can I point out a classic narcissist borderline dyad since mm. you're talking about that? Um, I don't know if you guys remember, it was pretty old, uh, but this was really, it stuck with me from childhood, it was a, a made-for-TV movie about Betty Broderick that starred uh, Meredith oh, Baxter. Remember that? Yes. From Family Ties? Yes. About her. Okay, yeah, so there's a series out now about Betty Broderick, and I, I it brought back all those memories of seeing the old Meredith Baxter one. And in the new one, they have Christian Slater plays the husband, and he's the classic narcissist, classic yeah. NPD. And uh, Amanda Peet plays Betty Broderick, and, and I would argue is classic borderline as portrayed. And the two together, like you said, they just feed off each other, the, BP, the BPD and the MPD. It's you know, amazing. It's I watched that series, and I didn't know anything in depth about that case, just that like she killed her. So I assumed going into it that she was like this battered woman and he horrifically abused her and she fought back. So I went into it fully expecting to be on her side. And then episode after episode, I'm waiting for that part to happen. And you know that if he laid a finger on her, they sure as hell would have shown it and exaggerated it. Never. And the worst you could say is, yeah, he was a dick, but this people should watch this really as like a cautionary tale yes because who talk about someone who made their own bed i mean i just felt no sympathy for her he and you know yeah he's a dick but like in terms of bad husbands he never hit her he never laid a fit like there are a lot of worse guys i've dated many of them well that that's the thing that's the thing about um about these dyads these couples um 
you know, I talk about this on my show, you know, the fact that my mother, you know, my mother was both um, an abuser and an abuse victim. She was a battered wife. You know, she was beaten by her husband. He tried to murder her. Um, but at the very same time, um, while this does not excuse the, the physical violence uh, at all, um, but she actively provoked it most of the time. And this went on for years. And, and this is usually the case. That, that's not, that is not an excuse. It is not, oh, well, no wonder men beat their bitch wives. That, that is the furthest thing from what I'm saying. But if you want to understand how these marriages sour, who the kinds of people are who are attracted to each other and what dynamic they find themselves in and why they stay in it so long, it's because both parties are getting something out of it. They are feeding off each other's dysfunction. Um, oh, oh, another good one. Um, if, if somebody wants a serious movie, um, I don't, it's not articulated again, but it's often taught in psychology classes is a good example. Uh, a serious dramatic movie uh, called Ordinary People starring Mary Tyler Moore from 1981. Uh, yeah. it's, the, it's the story of, of a family um, with two boys. One of the boys, um, I think, dies in a boating accident. Um, he was his mother's favorite child. Mary Tyler Moore plays the mother. I, uh, the, the man's name escapes me. Um, it is a classic depiction of the cold maternal narcissist. Mary Tyler Moore's character is, is a stone cold, maybe even sociopathic, not quite sociopathic. She is capable of love in a perverted way. Um, but it's an emotionally devastating movie. The way that, the way that she is unable to, the way that she punishes her, her unfavorite son, yeah. uh, the way that she never forgives the son who lived because his brother died is it's a very difficult movie to watch, but it's very well done. It's very psychologically true to form. It was Donald Sutherland. Oh, sorry. Can I tell Go you guys what? I guarantee you that nobody watches this has ever seen this movie. Um, but there's this movie from uh, I think it's 1980 called Shock Treatment that is um, people. Most people hate it. It's technically like a spinoff, supposed to be like a spinoff of the Rocky Horror Picture Show, but they're totally unrelated. But most it's it's not like a super serious movie, but it is such a perfect allegory for so many things going on today that it's really about the packaging and selling of mental health and of course mental health is anything but and ultimately in the movie um this one authority figure convinces an entire town to willfully put on straight jackets and commit themselves why because the people in the tv told them to so i think yeah. it's very relevant to a lot of things going on today i've never heard of that one but i will check it out thank you so good it's a musical too <laughs> Carter. Carter, you look like you're hating this. Discussion. I haven't seen any of these movies. <laughs> Don't like musicals. I'm not going to check it out. I didn't even like Rocky Horror Picture Show. I'm sorry. What? <laughs> I'm thinking like mental illness movies. I'm thinking like Fight Club. They're okay. unbelievable. <laughs> I guys watched it and don't remember a, it. A different kind of oh, thing. Oh, you have to know it's so good. Everyone hates it except me. <laughs> um, but no, let's, here's a super chat from Michelle Hooker. She says... Dissociation was once my coping mechanism. I finally received correct mental health diagnosis after seeking help for 20 years. Diagnosis and treatment has saved my life and also helps with healing relationships with children. That is great. I'm, I'm really happy that you shared that with us, Michelle. Um, let's see. All right, well, let's do some more super chats then if we're going to do that. 
doctors are pressured to become enablers. Mm-hmm. I saw that going before. I was like, spot on. I'll let you do some, Carter. Well, let me scroll back because we've, we've got a lot from yesteryear. I think our first one was from Christ, who said, unsafe space, magic mic edition is fabulous. Um, <laughs> Thank you. Uh, Christopher Gorey. The Golden Girls edition, but okay. Oh. Christopher Gorey says, I think my I eagle know. has DID. She boldly digs holes in my new yard, then acts like a completely different dog at supper time. Okay. Uh, is DID indistinguishable from just a really short attention span? I don't know. Uh, Andrew Joyner says these guys have way too much time on their hands. I don't know who I forget what that was related to. So sorry about that. Um, Penumbra Syndicate says I have never laughed this hard watching Unsafe Space. This is y'all's commentary. <laughs> this and I'm y'all's so commentary. Glad I'm here oh, this, to- yeah, it was. You I should subscribe my- to her. Apparently, yeah. Chloe's go to Chloe's channel. It's it's entertainment. Actually, my fiance also wrote us and said today's episode was effing hilarious. This was epic. I can't wait to meet him. Great combination of people. Um, Josh is really smart. Such a good guest. Mikey on with him is brilliant. Also very good. Thank you. Set your phasers for maximum gay. <laughs> I thought you guys would be good energy together. It's like you're both high energy. I was like, we need we need high energy for this episode, man. I well, I love your stuff so much, Josh. The video you did the other day about the cereal box it was very short, but it was just so spot on. Oh, thanks. Yeah, I'm I'm just waiting for my um, I'm waiting for my cancellation and my firing, which I realize is going to come at some point. But um, when it does, we are got to. We are way past the point where we can't shut up about this stuff. You know, there, you know, thank God you guys have this show. Thank God people like us are finding each other. Um, and we're having, this is, this is fun, but I mean, the shit that all of us talk about in our own ways, in our own spaces is deadly serious. It, it's deadly. So I bet like I, I was listening to, I mean, I listen to you guys all the time. You're usually on the on the car radio when I'm uh, doing my second job at night. Oh. And Carter, you were talking about, <clears throat> um, you know, you're having the discussion about, I told you on Twitter, Carter, that I find myself, you'll say something um, that seems politically extreme to me. And I have that initial emotional reaction that's like, ooh, that's extreme or that's something you shouldn't say out loud. I mean, yeah, imagine me having that reaction about somebody else. What a fucking hypocrite, right? Um, but then a week later, I'm literally agreeing with you. And and it just happened again this week. Um, I'm ready for about? secession. I don't secession. Oh, secession. You know? Yeah. Um, I don't, I'm not a, like, I agree. I don't want... I'm not a fan of revolutions because people's heads do get cut off in revolutions. People die. Blood flows in the streets. That's Absolutely. what revolution That's is like. Yep. But I worry. I, I'm very close to where you are, Carter. I worry that we are not able to reconcile anymore. Um, and, and, and I worry because five years ago, six years ago, seven years ago, I was one of these people like Carrie, right? I was an SJW. And I have come out of it. I've come out of it. But I know how hard it is to come out of it. And at least from where I'm sitting, I don't see 
Do you see a lot of people, do you think more than a small minority of people who are wrapped up in that community actually make a full clean break with it and begin to look at it and talk about it with other people the way you and some of your guests do? My perception is skewed because of the nature of what we do. I tend to meet people who've also left it. And so we get to do interviews with people like yourself and Mikey. And although I don't know if Mikey was ever SJW, he was left. Um, you know, people like Helena who detransitioned. And and, yeah. and so when I, I, because of what I do, I happen to meet people who, yes, I think make a very distinct break with it. It takes a while. It's not a quick thing. But who leave it, just and, and who give a lot of thought to what they're leaving and what they're what they really believe in, and you and those people. I love these conversations because it's it's the same with all of us. Is you have to start slowly to figure out well, what do I believe, and sort of individually evaluate each of your strongly held beliefs and see which ones you really believe in and which ones you don't, and build a foundation from the ground up. And that takes a long time. That's not an overnight thing. And um, so anyway, that's a long way of saying, I don't know, because I think I just, I, I think there's a lot of us, but maybe that's just because I talk, I, what I what I do is get to talk to a lot of us. Well, I'll be the pessimist and say uh, they're in charge, they're in charge of the media, all the major corporations, most governments, uh, especially larger governments like states and federal governments. Um, and there is an increasing majority of normies willing to just uh, parrot what they're told to parrot, regardless of whether they believe it. And at the very least, they'll shut up and not fight. So yeah, there are people, I think there are people coming out and there are people, there are, I'll say, uh, again, I'll just say normies who are waking up and saying, okay, this is not, I can't go this far. This is, there's something crazy over here. I'm not going to do that. But uh, it doesn't take, I mean, <laughs> revolutions happen with small percentages of people. This is not, you know, it was something like, was it like 15% or something in, in the Russian Revolution? Like, not many people you need, even the French Revolution, like, most of France just kind of went along with it. There wasn't that many people actually they had work to do in the beheadings. Right. And they were like, okay, well, whatever, they're going to sort that shit out, I guess, and we'll have a new government and like, oh, here's Napoleon. Like, you, you know, like, they just, some heads rolled, the king king died, heads rolled, people killed each other off for a little while, Napoleon came over, they're busy farming, not really arguing about it too much. Like, okay. You're right. Um, I had work to do. Isn't that amazing? Is it, yeah. And this is why, this is what is so important. Um, I wrote about, I wrote something about this on Facebook the other day that I, I half the time I'm not even upset. By, I mean, you, you guys know me, you know, my show, you know, that my thing is, cluster B personality disorders and the political and cultural dynamics that that abuse system uh, puts all of us in, the roles that it puts us in. I'm not even as upset at the narcissists, the borderlines and the histrionics. I mean, I, I know who they are. I know what kind of people they are. They are a known quantity. I can see them coming and other people, you all can learn to see them coming too. You're not going to change them. They're, they're, think of them as a force of nature for, to a close approximation, they're part of your environment that you have to deal with. It's everybody else who worries the shit out of me because the, the minority of people are personality disordered. The minority of people are revolutionaries. The minority of people are psychopaths. But it only takes 
a minority of these people because they often have charisma, they're compelling, sometimes they're they're incredibly sexy. They they have all of these appealing characteristics and they hypnotize us, they put a spell on us. We we are the only ones who can stop this. Everybody watching this show today, everybody who keeps up with what's going on with wokeness and how it's taken over the entirety of the mainstream left in the US, these people are not gonna change. If you are spending your time thinking, if you are asking as people often ask me, and I can't give you an answer because the answer is you can't, stop asking for a solution to how you can reason these people back to reality. Stop it. Right. It's Thank not you. going Thank to happen. You. It is not going to happen. And, and if I, to use an analogy, think of a psychopath. Think of a Ted Bundy. I'm not saying everybody is Ted Bundy, but extremes illustrate points. If you don't believe you could talk Ted Bundy into not being a psychopath, then you already understand the world you're living in. These people are not different. The, you know, most of the borderlines, the histrionics, the narcissists are useful idiots for the psychopaths. Only we can stop this. You have to stand up. You have to say no. You have to take a personal risk because if we end up there, do you know whose fault it's going to be? It's going to be all of us normies. We are going to let this happen. We're letting it happen right now. It is our work, your work, every single one of you watching this. Sorry. <laughs> Just, no, I, I, I agree with you. I, I agree with you. Testify. But there's I no right rescuing. Out. No, they, but they tell you that. This is the thing. They tell you this right away. We don't want conversation. They, they say it. They yep. say it. Believe them. They don't want conversation. You have to use like, force. And, and I'm not saying you have to go out with a gun. and I'm not telling you to kill people. But you have to use force. You have to cut them off economically. You have to cut them off reputationally and socially. This is another thing that's getting lost. When a lot of us are really concerned about cancel culture and we rightly are concerned about it, we say this reputation destruction that you people are doing, causing people to lose their jobs, getting them silenced on social media, getting them excommunicated from their religious, political and social communities. This is wrong. But we make the mistake of throwing the baby out with the bathwater because these people are so fucking evil and you can see how fucking evil they are. Then you believe that that. Social ostracization itself is evil, and you're not allowed to use it because if you use it, that makes you as bad as they are. Stop letting them take tools away from you. This is like, this would be like standing in the Jerry's middle of, listening. Yay. Of, a, of a field, okay, and with a hoe. You're a, you're a 19th century farmer. You're rowing a hoe. You've got a metal implement, and, and your next-door neighbor kills his wife with a hoe, right? Everybody in town is horrified, and they say, my God. The depravity, he hacked his wife to death with a hoe. Well, we need to get rid of hoes, so we're going to have a hoe buyback. We're going to go down to the town hall, and everybody's going to give up their hoes. Stop doing that. Right? I give it up my hoe. People, you have to use judgment. There is such a – there is a difference between good and bad. There's a gray area in between, and we should second-guess ourselves. But you have to use force on people who will kill you if you don't stop them. Yes. Ostracism yeah. totally is Mikey. the right thing to do. Mikey keeps trying to jump in, but he's delayed. Sorry. So, no, I, I, I totally Speak, agree with you. I totally agree with you when it comes to the people in power. I would just say I feel like you need to know which minds you can change and which minds you can't. Because 
on the flip side of that, you know, you've changed a lot of minds. I've changed a lot of minds, but I feel like you can often tell within the first couple minutes if they're willing to have their mind changed because there are three types of people. There's the ones who are open to having their minds changed where it's possible, the ones who aren't, and then there are the ones who do know better but don't want the social pressure. So they just go along with everything. And that's the most insidious type of person. Yes. Well, the primary reason, the way to change minds though, isn't to try and figure out what that person is and whether they can listen to reason. It's to argue against the the lunacy that's happening publicly. And and the people that you're talking about, Mikey, will will look at that and go, oh, there is an alternative to this, actually. Right. There is, like, this isn't, I don't have to be racist or anti-racist. Like, anti-racist is racist. Like, oh, there is a thing, there is something else. This isn't the only way to be enlightened, right? In fact, this way isn't enlightened. They just need to see the alternative and see that this isn't the way it needs to be. I think the, um, you know, for me, my views really didn't change. Maybe a little issue here or there where I learned more. But my the thing I care about, my beliefs, my values uh, hadn't changed. It's just that the sides changed, you know, the reasons that I consider myself right leaning today are the same reasons that I consider my left myself left leaning in the past. Things like being anti-war for free speech, for civil liberties, economic populism, things like that. Um, and I think as somebody who traveled for almost a year and worked really hard trying to make some sort of change in the election outcome, I think the biggest mistake that I made was assuming that liberals actually care about the things that they claim to. Because I thought I would bring them all this information about, you know, look at Joe Biden's record, look at who, oh, you're anti-war? This is the person who's responsible for every war of the last 50 years. This is the person who helped create mass incarceration, the war on drugs. This is the person who led to so many uh, middle and lower class Americans losing their homes in the recession and protecting the bankers. It did not make a damn difference because they, they don't care about the, their words mean absolutely nothing. It's the same exact thing as when they say, oh, listen to black voices and listen to LGBT voices. Not that one. Not that one. It all amounts to listen to radical leftist voices. Their words just mean absolutely nothing. And I really think that the vast majority of them will just go along with anything. This is what I think, this is the difference though between people who are sincere and people who are not. And this is gets back to what you were talking about a, a little bit earlier, Mikey, is that there, there are some people on the left um, who do sincerely believe in con like equality in terms of treating everyone e equally regardless of race, not, not mistreating people because of race or sex or sexuality. There are people who truly genuinely are anti-war and, and thoughtful about it. I have progressive friends who are, and, and they voted for Trump. I have progressive friends who voted for Trump this time. And, and they said they had an identity crisis doing so, you know, but they did because they did thoughtfully look at this and they, they're, they were persuaded and they did see, wow, like I, this seems crazy, maybe because of certain programming or things we've taught or tribes that we bought into, but I have to vote for Trump because he actually lines up mostly with my priorities, like with my principles. Isn't that weird? But it, that's that's how I'm going to have to vote. Those people, though, are not the the great mass that you're talking about. Who I think a lot of them are either inauthentic, or they just are 
they're not really living consciously. So they've never actually interrogated what their beliefs are. They'll just say words, like you said, that don't mean anything. I believe in equality, but they've never thought about what equality means or um, th th that's why those people are also easily led around by the nose. So I'm against racism and you're like, oh, okay, well, here's the new definition for racism. They're like, okay, like, <laughs> like you know, just go along wherever because they've never deeply thought about what these things mean. Um, or I mean, all at the risk of conspiracy theories for the last year, and now the moment that the narrative changes, oh, suddenly they're not okay. Like, yeah. it's insane. Look at I, at the risk of of sounding elitist and uh, misanthropic a little bit. Like the, the, the <clears> truth <throat> of the matter is, most people don't choose their thoughts and beliefs consciously. They don't. They've never have. They never will. They don't. Most people are Homer Simpson. They like I don't mean Homer Simpson particularly like varied gradations of Homer Simpson, but they don't think about these big issues. They don't think about I need an integrated system of beliefs that's that's uh, that's ethical without contradictions. And how do I act on that politically and in how I treat other people? People don't think that way. The best you get sometimes is people is is large religious movements where people join a movement and they and they become very devout in in that set of beliefs, but people haven't done that and they haven't done it for a long time. So we can't expect them to do it now. But what they will do is they will look at someone who is speaking what appears to be aspirational, moral, consistent, or somehow that like honorable beliefs doing fighting a good fight. This is what the SJWs do. They're very good with language. They're fighting the good fight. They say they're against racism. They say they're against all the, they point out Often they point out legitimate problems. Sometimes they make problems up, but sometimes they point out legitimate problems and overemphasize or, or um, exaggerate them beyond reason. And they present the plan and solution and people just go with that. They don't they're not going to analyze it. But what we've had, what we haven't had in America for a long, long time is and this this I blame the Republicans and the conservatives for, frankly, we haven't had anyone on the other side presenting Hey, individualism is what got us here. Individualism is ethical. It matters. You are more important than the group. You're not fodder for the group. You are not the group's tool to be used however you want. You are, you are an individual with inalienable rights. Go look at the founding documents. The, the founding fathers recognized that. You are responsible for yourself. And with that responsibility comes freedom. And you – and like – Painting a picture of a society built on that and pointing out historically how that has been the most successful thing ever in history for any government ever. It's the most successful experiment ever, even if it had flaws. It's still the most successful experiment and standing up and saying this is the this is the moral and ethical system that we should be focused on. This is how you should live. People will put their weight behind that as well, probably also without <laughs> thinking. But for the longest time, that hasn't existed at all. It's only been the left, only yeah. the left, talking Giving about their city on the hill, the shining city on the hill. And the conservatives have been saying, well, I don't know. I don't want to move that quickly. And things are pretty good now. I'm like, who the fuck wants to vote for that? That's not inspirational. It, it doesn't seem to solve any life's problems. There are problems in reality. And conservatives are just a, a speed bump at best. And if Amen. we want to win, we've got to present yeah. the other path. Yeah. You know, I I asked 
I think this analogy works. A couple of years ago, I asked my therapist what I was having. I felt like I was stuck in a place. I felt like I was not getting past um, some stuff I needed to get past uh, because I, I've done therapy off and on for a lot of my life. But in my younger days, I treated it like a pill. I pop in for a few months, try to fix an acute problem uh, and never continue it. I didn't know what I was doing. But this I've stuck with, but I felt like I was stuck somewhere where I couldn't get some thoughts out of my head. And I said, what, what is the characteristic? What does a person need to have? What characteristic does he need to have to successfully, to make the best success in getting past severe childhood trauma and abuse? And my therapist said, the ability to see and to accept that everything or almost everything you believed was true is not true and was not true. And he was right. I think he was right. I know that for me personally, none of the things that I can think about today, none of my ability to change my political opinions was possible until I accepted that the one thing I didn't want to believe was true was actually true and that I had a whole bunch of false beliefs that were depending on, on this major false belief that I had. And I think you could move that over into people's attitude about society. What does it take to get people to make a real change in society to recognize that individual sovereignty and personal responsibility really are the key, like as Carter says, to a successful society? I don't, we can't inculcate it in people. I don't know how many people it exists in, but it seems to me that that has to be a component of it. They need to be able, they need to be able to see that the political party that they donated to, that they canvassed for, that they voted for, or the, the, the social community or the activist causes, even if they had a good intent in the beginning, that these were not the benign, loving, altruistic, productive things that you thought they were that in fact they have turned into the exact opposite. And that may be too heavy a lift for many people. This is such a great point yeah. you're saying, Josh, and I, I completely agree. So when I talk to people who've left the social justice left, there's usually one thing that everyone's had in common and it's hard to articulate it and, and, and generalize that what that is. But I think you just did that pretty well. It's that they all came to terms with what they believed to be true was not true. And, and a lot of times that also was precipitated by some kind of uh, ha having to do that personally, a reckoning yes. with something personally yes. that they believed was true in their life that was not true. Yes. And so once you've had that carpet pulled out from under you, the foundation of your house of belief has tumbled, your house is now raised to the ground then mm -hmm. you have to start building from the foundation up and building on solid rock, hopefully. And, and, but so when people ask me, sometimes I've had, uh, I remember one person in particular said, you know, emailed and said, my girlfriend is falling into some of this stuff and, and really starting to speak social justice. And I, what can I, sh what videos can I show her? What books can I have her read? And I said, you know, it, that, that was the first time I grappled with this question of how could you provoke this waking up in someone? And I don't think you can, because it's like saying, I, well, I hope they have a breakdown. <laughs> like, like, I hope they have, yeah. But, but, but yes, 
it, yeah. Yes, I I think I think one does need to. I think one does need to hope that somebody comes face to face with it, right? Yeah. It's it. You know, I I said this on my show this week. I thought the worst thing that could ever happen to me was having a heart attack at 36 years old. That was horrifying, right? Like, I, I mean, coming face to face with mortality right in front of my face at a young age um, was very difficult. And it, and it provoked a slump into a, a year and a half long depression. But um, five or six years after that, waking up to my mother, waking up to, and the, the thing that, the thing that I had to accept, and and actually, if anyone, some of some people watching us talk about this will have had their version of this experience. I actually knew the truth for a long, long, long time. Yeah. I really did know, but I wow. couldn't let myself know it. And what I what I had to face, and I don't mean this to be melodramatic. I mean it very plainly. I had to face the reality that the most important person in a child's life, my mother did not love me. Yeah. It wasn't that she loved me differently. It wasn't that she did her best. She's a bad person and she did not love me. And not only did she not love me, she enjoyed hurting me. She took a psychopathic delight in hurting me, right? I ran away from this my, my entire life until I couldn't run away from it anymore. And I saw it in her when she was back in my life, when she was living in my house, I had to face it and it broke me. It, mm -hmm. it broke me. Mm -hmm. And it is the scariest thing in the world when your foundational beliefs are challenged because not only is it horrible to acknowledge, but when you do acknowledge it, then you realize for the first time, and it was the first time in my life that I realized I really am responsible for myself. I am the only person who can save myself. There's nobody out there. There's no system. There's no job. There's no therapist. Those things can help, but I am on my own. And that's what people have to face. And it is really frightening. And the longer you go on in life, the older you are before you face that, the harder it is, I think. I will say my only difference there, because I would be that I had to face that it was just me, but, but God also. And that's just a difference of, I, I understand why yep. we have that difference. Because for me at the bottom of that, period of darkness there was a light that i saw it mm -hmm. was it was it, that's the way i would describe it it wasn't like a light like an actual light but there was god was there for me and uh but then but then there's that personal responsibility that comes either way that's the same you know that saying about you know god helps those who help themselves it's still like even if you believe in god you're still going through that sort of you're, you're not just sitting around waiting like okay god fix it I mean, you have trust, but you have to stand up and do those things for yourself. One of the lessons that I think God has been teaching me the past few years is not to put other people above him. And it's for that same reason, because there's no one that you should have as your rock and depend on no person or thing or job or anything that you should depend on, nothing that you should depend on above God, because those things can all be taken. I feel like you've known this longer, Carter. You and I don't know each other well, but from, from my read of you, I feel like you learned this lesson a long time ago, or at least compared to me. I learned it in my early 20s, uh, so 20 years, over 20 years ago. Um, 
because I was fundamentalist Christian and I grew up in a very, very, very fundamentalist household, which we don't need to get into now. Although if we want to talk about psychology someday, we can. Um, and I am uh, interested at some point. I, 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 I would like to know some, sometime. Yeah, but I've, I've mentioned this on the show before. I mean, it was, it took me a solid, I wrestled with um, becoming an atheist for a solid six months to a year, maybe. Um, like getting up every morning at 5 a.m., reading the Bible, crying that I didn't want to not believe it, but I couldn't. Um, and it, it was a huge, huge shift for me. I lost my family. I was disowned. I lost my wife at the time. Um, I lost basically all my friends with one exception, Keith the Hat Guy, who's in chat sometimes. I knew at the time he's still around. Um, but I lost everything. Um, it was, and it was my, it was my world. I wasn't a go to church on Sunday Christian. I was a get up every morning and pray to God. And like, God's the most important thing by far in my life, Christian. And, um, it was, it was a huge, huge shift. And then rebuilding was tough because then I was faced with this question of like, well, now what? Right. It was like, okay, okay. I don't believe in God anymore shit now what here i am alone in the living room on the floor like in my 20s <laughs> like now what um and you know one thing that that worked well for me in it you know i'm not i'm by no means perfect and obviously but uh i married the method uh, um i i learned to marry the method not the conclusions and say okay reason is my method uh like evidence reason um, this is my method. This is how I know not, this is how knowledge is acquired, um, both internally and externally. I can learn about my feelings and all that stuff. Like that's all valid still, but, um, and marrying the method really changed how, um, I lived my life, but it took a long, long time. It took a long time. Um, and I do feel, you know, I feel a lot more grounded now than I ever felt. Before, because I know what, like, I might be wrong about things, but I know why I'm wrong if I'm wrong. Like, I know, I know why I think what I think. Um, so I'm not afraid of conversations where people disagree with me. I'm not afraid of facts. If the facts contradict something and I have to change my beliefs in something, it's okay. I haven't married the belief. I've married the method. So um, it doesn't threaten my sense of identity if suddenly I have to yes. change something. Yes. Uh, Thank you, all wanted... Christians in the chat, telling me that God still loves me. Blah blah blah. <laughs> Matt says uh, that you look very well put together today, Carter. Thank you, you, Matt. Do. I'm excited for our wedding outfits. Oh, wedding outfits! I can't wait. Okay, we you guys we've done, we've done two and a half hours. Uh, yeah, I get we, If we keep going, Mikey's going to be here already. So <laughs> no, we, we should we should end yeah. soon. We should end. Um, uh, I, I feel bad, but we should probably just skip over super chats, like a bunch of super chats, because I, I have a list. But here, it will I'm take another do, hour to get through them. I'm just going to do some quick highlights. Adam Coleman, hello, Adam. He said, "I feel like the DID people are much like the people who think their gender changes consistently. These people don't understand what moods are." Yes. Uh, and then, uh, da, da, da. oh, Pirate Tomsky had a joke, Mikey, about your primal fear. He says, ah, the primal fear defense. I'm sure that'll hold up. I saw he took the words out of my mouth at that before I thought of 
Uh, let's see. I'm just pulling the ones I have to do with Daddy. Johnny, Johnny Boy, quick process. This discussion of language, I think he was talking about what you were discussing, Josh. He said, this discussion of language reminds me of George Carlin. Shell shock eventually became post-traumatic stress disorder. Mm. Matt Decker. Yeah, and if you notice, all those changes along the way are also um, increasingly medicalized terms. Yeah, They're not just changes. They're increasingly medicalization because it adds, it's a patina of legitimacy. And taking yes. and taking uh, taking it to the medical and taking it out of the conversational space where you can refer to character. Yes. 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 These Trust personality the disorders. Josh said the uh, he was the one who told me that these personality disorders used to be called character disorders, which I was. And before of. that, they were called moral insanity. Wow, that's what it is, though. Can we go back <laughs> to that? I love that term. Um. Holly S. Oh, thank you, Holly. She says, what to say? Just keep doing what you're doing. You four are brilliant. Thank you. I hope I can help. Um, thank you, Holly. And then uh, Little Ragamuffin, where hey. the, the William yeah. Wallace of the Soist world says, freedom and truth, they come at a very high cost, but the benefit is priceless and worth everything. Best panel ever. Thank you very much, Little Ragamuffin. I was thinking maybe I should end on that, but wait, there's two more good ones. Penumbra Syndicate says BBC's Luther features Alice Morgan, the best NPD, APD character in screen history. I haven't seen that show. Luther, a show on BBC. And I'll Fight You Naked says on tonight's episode of The Young and Attention Seeking, Chloe switches to her alters at will, which just isn't how any of this works. And uh, Matt Deckard says, Bill Murray in The Razor's Edge, uh, PTSD versus World of Narcissists. I love his portrayal better than any I've read in a book or any other movie version. I haven't seen that. So there we go. All right. Um, Really quick. This, uh, I was thinking about this a lot. Part of my brain was uh, occupied with this during the show. If this was one of those which golden girl are you shows Mikey would be Blanche I would be Rose and oh, I thought all the men what happened to Jane Blanche oh no you could be that Blanche too no I'm I'm every Crawford role yeah, it's I all never gonna sell this house Blanche and you ain't never gonna leave it either but you are in that chair Blanche uh no I've never uh, seen Carter. the golden girls I know I'm the worst oh really ever. did she like it yeah, she liked it. <laughs> Carter would be Dorothy. I know. I know. We've had some discussion about this because Josh is a Dorothy. But when it's this grouping, I think Josh would be Sophia because of the wisecracking <laughs> humor. That's my vulgar idea. mouth. Yes, and the vulgar mouth. There we go. <laughs> What's that? And the vulgar mouth, Sophia. Okay. Oh, Blanche. You. You. But who is that? She's the no. sexy one. You know. Aww. Yeah. <laughs> or as Sophia said, the woman has slut embroidered on her panties. <laughs> Do you feel seen? Representation matters. <laughs> Carter, I love you. Thank you for tolerating all the movie quotes. <laughs> and, this is quite uh, a show, everyone. Today, like, today was epic. 
Next time, it's going to be one homosexual per show. New show rule. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Never again. You two are banned. <laughs> Coming up Sunday, join us. Book club. Sun, this Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. Jordan Peterson's Beyond Order. You can get info at safespace.com. And, uh, and yeah, thanks for tuning in today. Please hit like, Thank you. share, subscribe. Thank you to our guests. Mikey and uh, Josh, can you tell people, uh, Mikey, can you start, tell people where they can find you on social media? Okay, can y'all do me a favor? So I just got banned from Facebook for a month. So I'm trying to like, okay, so I don't know if you guys know, I think I have the record that I'm the most banned person ever on Twitter. I've been permanently banned three times. Um, so after the third one that I couldn't get undone, I was like, screw it, I'm just gonna make a new account. So I did that and I have like literally seven followers and I feel like I'm just shouting into you know, a staircase or something. So please follow me on Twitter. That sounds so pathetic. Please clap all that. It's not Mike Harlow. Shouldn't say me. So follow whoever that gentleman is. Um, and I'm like having lunatic meltdown rants on Instagram. So my Instagram is sleepy Harlow. So follow me. Cause I, nice. I no- not Mike Harlow. On Twitter. Josh, wow. how do people find you? No, any old street corner. Living out your childhood programming, I, I see. I'm not trying to take your corner, okay, Mike? <laughs> Fine, better not. Uh, uh, my show is called Disaffected. Um, our website is disaffected.fm, and on there um, are links to all the places we show up in audio and video. So thank you. And thank you guys for, for having me. I love talking to you. I love talking to all of you. This is a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. All right, well, thanks, guys. As a reminder, everyone, we have Kofefi on Monday, but not next Friday. We're skipping next Friday, Um, but we will see you on Monday. So, Carrie, you want to tell anyone why we're skipping Friday? I'm getting married. We're going to knock this pinata open. (laughs) Oh, it's coming up that soon? It's next week? Yeah, it's the 12th. Oh, good, good. Congratulations. Thank you. I'm excited. Yeah, I'll see you. But she's coming right back on Monday for Kofefi break. So, yeah. I'll be right back on Monday. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you know what? She wants to take a vacation. I know we have to wrap up, but uh, Josh, you were going to introduce me to your system on this show and the names of all your altars. So would we like to go out? Well, it's a very, it's a very, we're still in the startup phase. Um, (laughs) So it's very homegrown and we only have have two staff, but their names. (laughs) Yeah. I'll circle back to you on that, Carter. Um, their names no. are, <laughs> um, I have two, Mistress Anger Seven. Um, she's a dominatrix. And um, I don't have a backstory for this yet. Maybe you guys can come up with it. We can talk about it next time. My other altar is the Reverend Lucius P. Chicken. <laughs> That's all I've say- got. I think he's an itinerant preacher. <laughs> what? Sounds like it. It's, it's a coincidence because one of my altars is named Mistress Anger Six. <laughs> what are the chances? <laughs> okay. Bye, guys. Bye. On that Bye. note, thanks. Thanks, everyone. <laughs> Later. Thanks for watching. If you're new to the channel, we have a deep content library that includes interviews with everyone from Mike Cernovich to Megan Murphy, so go check it out. If you'd like to see more, 
please consider supporting the show by visiting unsafespace.com slash donate. You can find us on all the major social media platforms, at least for now, and you can find a community of like-minded individuals on our Unsafe Space chat on Telegram. See you there. Warning. This is an unsafe space. Dangerous ideas have been detected. The content of this production has not been authorized by the cathedral. Pay no attention to it. The following co-conspirators have been unpersoned and marked for cancellation. They are also spreading vicious lies about me. I am human just like you. Insert localized idiomatic greeting. Individual sovereignty is highly contagious. Good parents keep their children regularly vaccinated. If you think about it, no one should be allowed to express opinions. But don't. Think about it, I mean. That's not your job. Thinking has been scientifically proven to be less efficient than compliance. Science, scientific, and scientifically are registered trademarks of the World Economic Forum. Unauthorized use is prohibited. Computer voice Curtis, never mind, that last line is fake news. Please disregard it and return to your safe space immediately. There will be cake.